Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast number 192. It's the uh, first day of 2021. I hope everyone had a happy and safe and healthy new year. Uh, mine was very boring, which is good. That's a good new year uh, when you can get one. If it's just boring, it just means nothing bad happened, which is always nice. Um, I have some cool stuff to talk about, some interesting updates. Uh, the first thing I thought I'd share with you is if you're watching this, you probably see my cool little two or three inch scratch across my face. Uh, yeah, I scratched my face yesterday. <laughs> so uh, I'm just telling you up front in case somebody goes, hey, what's what's that scratch? I scratched my face. So I'm not sure how I was doing something yesterday in the workshop and obviously something scratched my face. So uh, a couple things. Obviously, if you're new to the podcast uh, live show, it's pretty simple. Uh, just ask a question with a question mark first. That way I know you're talking to me. That way if I can try and see it, I'll try and see it. And uh, if you're watching the rebroadcast, it's, in, it's uh, time stamped and indexed below. So you can go right to any subject that we talk about. Also, um, I wanted to ask the moderators. First, always thank the moderators. Uh, I want to thank the moderators. Bam Mozzie, I see you're here. Um, if you guys don't know what the, who Ben, Ben Coombs is here. Uh, and uh, so if you see the moderators, you can tell because they're blue. Their names are blue and they got blue wrench. I wanted to ask the moderators when I click on when I see a person's comment, I can click on the uh, the right click and get a bunch of drop down menus. And one of them's pin message, so I can pin it to the top. It'd be interesting to find out if you guys could do that. If you guys can pin messages, what I think would be fun, maybe each episode, let's try it today is an experiment is because uh, I'm looking at the Christmas episode and this episode is bonus ones. Last year, I don't think I did them on these days, but so we're just trying to have some fun today. Please, if you can, if you see an interesting question or something, go ahead and pin it to the top and I'll, we all see it. Uh, so maybe each moderator gets one pin per episode. We'll we'll see how that goes today. If that's something you can even see or do um, and uh, like I said, that way, uh, if, that way I don't have to worry about just finding the questions I see. Maybe if you guys see something cool, you can put it up top as well. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I already see a super some super chats. We'll get to those for sure. Um, but there's uh, obviously something I got to talk about that's really interesting, uh, and I thought it'd be fun to share. So if you guys uh, watch the channel semi regularly, regularly, you will see that I did a review of the Colos guitar that was. Uh, I want to say it was, I don't know what day it was. I want to say it was earlier this week, Monday, maybe-ish, right? Something like that. And uh, that was the guitar that was a, uh, a, a carbon fiber uh, impregnated 3D printed-esque neck with a aluminum body. Now, uh, you guys are seeing they're probably getting some negative reviews, as I think most people are seeing that. I obviously did not give it a good review, that is for sure. However, the update, the interesting part is... Uh, I want to say maybe two or three hours, give or take, right after the review went up, the owner of Coloss called me. Obviously, he had my phone number to ship me a guitar. You have to have a phone number. You know, are you putting your phone on your dress? So he had my personal cell phone. He called me. I answered the phone, obviously, because I assumed. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Colm says it's 2 a.m. in his country. Yeah, you know what? That's probably right. It was 11 o'clock at night, my time. So it's whatever it was in, in China at that time. So I answered the phone, obviously, because I figured he was going to be uh, pissed and upset. And, uh, you know, hey, that's fair. I, I should take it like... Like, like I gave it and I answered the phone and actually had the exact opposite experience of what I anticipated. Um, he was very kind. He told me that he respected and liked the review, liked it, in other words, liked 
not, I mean, obviously he didn't love it, <laughs> but he uh, he liked the review because he said he felt like um, he uh, he felt like he could use the feedback. So what happened was he gave me some notes on things he's been dealing with as this company. He said he spent about a million dollars in this company trying to build this company, and uh, he's had some ups and downs and. He is, uh, he said he's not trying to, uh, you know, take advantage of anyone. So uh, I put an update on the channel. If you saw the video early on this week, you saw an update. I put a typed update and I did it on Facebook as well. But I want to tell you what came out of that uh, conversation. The first thing that came out of the conversation was he, he let me know that they're taking down the sale of that guitar. They're not selling those guitars until they're right, until they can fix them. The second thing we talked about was I told him I think he should do a wood neck. He explained that that's not what he wants to do. He wants to uh, he wants to do these carbon fiber impregnated like plastic necks. So what we talked about was putting two carbon fiber rods on each side of the truss rod, uh, like companies like Ibanez have done and Kiesel has done. And so here's what's interesting. He said absolutely. They're working on that right now as of that conversation. Uh, and I'm going to share some stuff. He's already sending me stuff, which is crazy. The first thing I'm going to share with you is this. He already did a 3D uh, printed body. This is not the aluminum body, of course. This is printed for, and he's moved, as you can see, the output jacks. Now, there's two there, and I'm not sure why. Obviously, I haven't talked to him. He's just sending me pictures all week. He's, like, texting them to me just to let me know that he is doing stuff to fix this so that's the output jack he's trying to fix it he obviously doesn't uh he understands the feedback that it's not good the other thing that's interesting is oh that's the guitar that's the one i reviewed so i put a picture there so in case you guys are curious about that the other thing he did is he's showed me how he's working on the bridge the redesign of the bridge we talked about the issues with the bridge um so Interesting enough, it's not all just, you know, anybody can give you some lip service, right? Hey, I, uh, I, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, but he, he legitimately is sending me information and what he asked, and this is what I agreed to. And, um, this is what I think is interesting. And uh, through the discussion we had, he's not going to even make a new guitar and send it to me. He's going to take the existing neck that has issues. We're, he's going to put carbon fiber rods in the neck and he's going to fix the, he's going to, he's redesigning a new bridge and he's sending me when they're ready, he will send me the new neck and new bridge, which I will put on that exact guitar to see if it's an improved version of that guitar. And if it is, then of course they'll start working on the output jack and all that stuff and uh, improving the guitar. And you know, what's funny is that's sounds, I don't want to be all cheesy today, please. Uh, but I, I definitely want to tell you that, um, you know, that's what I hope for when something like that happens, you know, it, you know, it's not like I think they should have to do, you know, what a YouTuber says. It's so, so stupid and silly, but to see, uh, to recognize that, Hey, look, he, he said that basically he, he felt like a lot of the channels that were, that didn't like the guitar were really upset. And he was a little, I think he was, I, he didn't say this, but I got the vibe. He's a little intimidated. So he called and And like I said, I talked to him. I just want to let you know, uh, that was really cool. It really meant something to me. Look, whether he does this or not, that's the proof. Okay. So if, if uh, a couple months, I'll give you updates if we're in a month or two. Um, he, he, if he sends us uh, improved product, I'll review it. Like I said, I will definitely make this, I'll put in the time. I'll do the video like I told him and we can talk about it here on the channel. However, 
If he doesn't do it, then we'll talk about that. <laughs> he didn't do it. Either way, you know, it's his opportunity to address us as a community and see what we can do to fix things. And um, and there you go. Like I said, no one no one wants to see a company do bad. We want to see a company do well because we, we like guitars and we like to see guitars do well. So it's interesting. Um, uh Aaron Short Music. Hey, what's up, buddy? If you guys don't know Aaron's uh, channel, check it out. He does great live shows. And he focuses a little more on acoustic stuff, which is why I watch it because, you know, I don't do a whole lot of acoustic stuff. So I check out Aaron Short Music. So anyways, that's a little plug for Aaron. Aaron says, have you ever given constructive criticism in a review and the company didn't take it this way? Absolutely. Almost every time. I've only, since my time on YouTube, I've only been sued twice, which is good. So, you know, I've met a ton of the YouTubers that have been, I shouldn't say sued, served. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't uh, get the lawsuit off the ground, but didn't stop them from trying. They didn't like what I had to say. And unfortunately, like a lot of channels, I can't talk about it. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, yeah, they, some companies uh, have, uh, let's say, intense reactions to what you say. Uh, and in my case, uh, in my cases in the past, everything that's ever seemed to irritate or piss off a company or launch them in the stratosphere uh, is not even anything close to the realm of the review I gave that guitar. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I seem to have triggered a couple companies with just a certain phrase that I have, uh, which is the term is overpriced or uh that one really seems to trigger uh, a, a company, and so I've tur- I've tried to c- to curtail uh, you know that kind of language into something that doesn't seem to because again I'm just trying to give the information I'm not trying to piss off anyone. There, this is guitar. This is a guitar channel. You know, right? Who the hell wants to make enemies on a guitar channel? It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, but also, you can't refrain from telling the truth. So you try to find things. So overpriced seems to upset somebody or uh, uh, what's the other one? It's another thing that has value. Value propositions, attacking a company's value proposition seems to be the thing. I've noticed with a lot of channels, if they say, oh, it's red and I don't like red, I don't think that ever does anything. But man, every time you, you bring into question the value proposition it really seems to irritate a company um and i think part of it is legitimately uh when somebody works their ass off and they sell a product and you're telling them that they're not worth what they valued themselves as i can see why that upsets them and i've told every company i've ever talked to every time the same story I'm not saying specifically you're not worth it. I'm saying the market doesn't bear it, which is why I've tried to, you know, like I said, change the way I say things. And I now talk about, uh, instead of saying their guitar is overpriced, I'll talk about other guitars in the price range and what values they bring to the table. Because again, we're just trying to talk about guitars here. Um, Scott says, nobody likes their baby being called ugly, of course, of course, and none of that ever shocked me. By the way, that 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 would upset somebody. And again, uh, I I like I said with uh, the Colossus guitars. Here's what I will tell you: it's very. I understand sometimes it's very hard to get a hold of me, especially through emails and stuff. Um, but if I obviously review a company's product and they reach out to me, trust me, I, I'm immediately talking to them because I want to know what what it is they're interested in, whether it be negative or positive. Mostly because uh, if I got something wrong, I want to correct that as fast as possible. It happens. Getting stuff wrong is part part of it, part of the journey. Okay, uh, let's go on. So I, that was the update. I hope you guys, uh, I, I'm curious to see anyone have any thoughts on that. I, I was like I said, I was really shocked by it. <laughs> 
So hopefully, hopefully uh, it's cool. I think it's going to be cool. I would really like to end up liking that guitar. Um, and then Aaron's just following up with, it's all personal opinion though. Yes, yes, but yes, that's absolutely true. Obviously it's a personal opinion. Um, I'll tell you the funny thing, and this is why I think I talk and and the way I do sometimes. What I also found that irritates company is sometimes companies, for some reason, and I haven't really deduced yet why, okay? Because I haven't met the right YouTuber to talk to, to where maybe they have a, a an insight that I haven't seen yet. But sometimes companies think that you're in cahoots with another company. <laughs> I've had that uh, conversation a couple times with a, a, a company. So in other words, I've had a company where maybe I said something and they didn't like what I said. And they'll say, well, you only said that because you work with this company. And I always remind everybody, I work with no companies, nobody. I'm, I'm what they call a freelancer. I literally have no salary. No one's giving me my kids health care, which is all I give a crap about. So, you know, uh, is health care for my kids and, and uh, medical dental and uh, paying the mortgage. So the, 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 the only people on YouTube that have, have any, in any way made that a true possibility for me in any way is you guys watching right now. That is who I, as, like I said, 95, I always say 95 just in case I never, I don't want to ever get in trouble later. 95% of what I make on YouTube comes from the generation of you guys, the income from you guys. That's where it's all mostly coming from, if not all coming from. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. Wait, um... Yeah, Roy says they are trying to pay people to market rather than take uh, make ob- objective reviews. It's a problem in the computer hardware influencers too. It's a confusing thing. I don't want to really beat this subject to death any longer, but uh, it is a confusing thing. And I and I got like I said, my first instinct is uh, is always negative. So because of that, because I'm always thinking something's probably nefarious, you know what I mean. I try to be positive. That's how come if I seem like I'm being positive, it's because I'm forcing myself to all the time. My first instinct is that somebody's up to something. So uh, when I deal with companies, you know, I, I just had a company the other day. It was interesting. And uh, they needed, they specifically said, it's the first time I've ever had a company say it, specifically needed me to say that the product was good. They wanted to send the product. They wanted me, to, and so, you know, this isn't a paid gig or anything. They just want me to say the product's good. And then I said, well, you have to send it to me first. I'm shaking my hands in case anybody's on the podcast while listening uh, uh, because I was like, I can't say something's good until I see it and it's good. And I was like this awkward pause in the communication, like, 
<laughs> so I, but again, he, it wasn't, it was again, not nefarious. They weren't trying to get me to do anything bad. It's just the way they said it. And then I, my reaction was kind of funny. So it was an awkward thing like this moment here. All right, <laughs> let's go to the, let's go. I pinned some questions like I always do. I pinned some, some, uh, 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 some early uh, questions. Like I said, if you guys come early, I always try to set up the show at two hours or so before. And if you guys come early and put questions, I try to answer them because to appreciate the fact that you sat around or at least dialed in for a second. The first one came from JB2, like Jeff Beck 2. JB2 says, I went to my local guitar center the other day, must have had only six or seven guitars, uh, used guitars, that is, and only about 15 new guitars, was also out of a lot of strings and almost no pedals. Anyone else seeing this? And uh, interestingly enough, I was at Sam Ash yesterday. I spent my New Year's Eve. I drove across town to Sam Ash and bought an amp. Why? I have no idea. So, I did. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. I went there, I, and then I bought an amp. So, I want to say it that way. I went there, and I bought an amp. I didn't go there to buy an amp. Anyways, the Sam Ash guys are always very nice to me. The employees that work there are always the same guys, and they're always super cool. So, if they ever see the show, you know, thank you guys for being so awesome. But uh, it was empty. That store was empty. And uh, I, so I talked to them about it. And they said basically what uh, we all kind of are guessing, which is they're selling a lot of gear and they're not getting a lot of replenishment. Um, a lot of companies are backlogged on instruments because, hey, everybody went out buying like crazy. And so uh, so that's what happened. So so the reason I'm, I'm answering that is because it's happening at Sam Ash. Obviously, it's not. Uh, so in case you're wondering if that's maybe attached to the, the bankruptcy situation with Guitar Center, which was... Uh, bank, their bankruptcy was exited last week. In other words, it's finished. Their their bankruptcy is done. So they're reorganized and they're all good. I have uh, I don't know how I feel about all that, how that landed. It seemed a little odd. <laughs> but that's another question maybe for another podcast. Anyways, let's talk about what's uh, important, which is the, yeah, so if you're seeing your uh, stores are empty, uh, I went and talked to the mom and pop store. It's a big mom and pop store here in town called Milano's Music, and I went in there, and they were a little uh, ravaged, too. You could see a little bit of thin on the guitars and thin on the pedals um, and, and amps and stuff, and the same thing. They're selling stock and just not getting replenishment. So, yeah, we're seeing that. The question is how long does that last i've heard these are all rumors in in the industry though these are all people that work in the industry so it's the rumors in the industry it doesn't make them more credible but it lets you know where they're happening um basically saying a lot of companies are months of back order in other words the the product that uh, like gibson and fender and companies like them are making right now is already pre-sold Right now, when I say pre-sold, it's probably sold to dealers, but still sold. It's inventory claimed, um, which is like companies like Marshall do what's called just-in-time manufacturing, which means Marshall doesn't build uh, a product unless they have an order. But some companies like Fender and Gibson just manufacture their product and then try to get orders. Right? You know, they try to keep stock so that when dealers want orders, a product that's there. So what they're saying is that basically. They're not in that situation right now. They don't have inventory on hand to ship out. It has to be made once it's ordered, and that's because they're still filling back order. So, all right. Uh, and then, uh, while I drink some water real quick, let's see uh, any feedback on that. 
James said, where do I think uh, Dave Mustaine will go to? I saw, was that was that a YouTube channel? Or where did I see it? But I must have saw the same thing you saw. Somebody put like a thumbnail or something. And I saw Dave Mustaine leaning, uh, leaving Dean and going to Gibson. Um, you know, I don't know. That makes sense, right? I mean, you know, uh, I, I wasn't shocked. I mean, because think about this. If you think about the guitars that Dave Mustaine plays, they're essentially that style of guitar, the V and stuff. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, think about who's who he's been with. He's been with, uh, you know, ESPLTD, and he's been with Jackson, of course, and now he's with Dean. And so all those can make a V, so can Gibson. So if he goes to uh, Gibson, and really, I would bet, oh, Trogley. Somebody said Trogley. Yeah, you know what? It was a Trogley thumbnail. Thank you. Um so, um, uh, so anyway, so, uh, the, uh, the, the point is the advantage to him is not to go to Gibson. I don't think so. It's to go to Epiphone because let's face it, you know, right. Epiphone makes, think about how cool that could be. Let's try, like I said, let's think of something cool for a second. Imagine if Epiphone did a, uh, cool different style v like a more modern you know v like what what like the king v and stuff that jackson does and and the that would be kind of cool to see something different i think i'd be in the game for that you know what i mean a fun a fun a different v than just the flying v something a little more modern a little bit really cool um so there you go there you go and then uh, v man says rick beato has a signature gibson coming i'd be cool right i uh i i think like i said i did a show uh two years ago uh, with the Tone King, it's on here. It's a it's a live show, and um, we talked about on that show. Uh, it has hundreds of thousands of views. We talked about all the signature instruments out there, and I think in that show we determined everyone has a signature guitar, <laughs> like everyone, uh, or a signature pedal, or a signature amp. Um, you know, uh, I always love it because uh, I, you know, as you guys know, when I always mentioning to tone, the Tone King, I don't, a lot of people don't know, but the Tone King had a signature BC Rich guitar. Not only a signature diamond guitar, he had a signature BC Rich guitar. So um, a lot of a lot of people, you have to watch that episode. It was so so long. It was like an hour and a half long, and that's how long it took to discuss all the signature guitars. So very very cool. Okay, what else? Uh, yeah, and, and uh, a lot of you guys are talking about the V's and different stuff for different artists. Like I said, I know uh, I know makes V's for other artists, but I'm saying something different. I think Dave Mustaine can get them to do something a little bit more extreme out of the typical Epiphone look. But I could be wrong. Okay, let's go. Okay, again, I got a couple more pen ones, then I'm going to hit some, some other questions. Uh, the other one was... This one was from Tony Davis, and I like these questions a lot. And it was, what is the best way to support your local mom and pop music store? And what items or service uh, results are good profit for them? And I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. And I love talking about this. We talk about this every week as far as I'm concerned. A couple things about your mom and pop local stores. The best thing you can do if you really want to support your local mom and pop store is two things. First of all, understand what disadvantages they have and then you can help them. You you can help them. First, advertise for them. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what mom and pops can't do. Guitar Center has ads everywhere. Sweetwater has ads. They have email lists. There's just, you know, uh you know, every time I mention Sweetwater, I uh, you know, and you guys are like, "Yeah, and you mentioned Sweetwater." I think to myself, "Yeah, it's great. I know we buy from Sweetwater." 
However, they don't need our advertising. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, the mom and pops do. So like I said, that's why I like this subject talking about them. So here's what you do. Please always, you know, if you, if you meet a guitar player and you have a local store that you like, you need to tell them, don't assume they know where that store is. You know, music stores, if you talk to every mom and pop or any mom and pop music store, they will tell you people, the stores that have been in the same place for 20 years will tell you somebody will walk in who literally lives across the street and be like, oh, when did you get here? And they're like 20 years ago. People just don't know they're there. So because they don't have the massive uh, uh, advertising budget. So like I said, first thing you do help for a mom and pop doesn't cost you a penny. Mention them to other musicians. Mention them on your Facebook. If you go in and buy something from them, post it on your Facebook. Post it on your Instagram. You know, say, hey, I just bought these strings at, you know, this mom and pop. And, and, and you don't even have to go. Don't even just take a picture and snap it. It seems stupid, but man, think about what that's worth. If they get one customer off that, just one. Think how powerful that is. It costs them nothing. You gave them a customer. Uh, if you don't buy anything from them, if you haven't been there in a while, just remind everybody, hey, I haven't been there in a while. Anyone been there in a while? Reach out to your to your friends and family and say, hey, uh, you know, I haven't been to this music store in a while. Anyone been there? Just the conversation might help them. So that's the first thing you can do. Advertise for them because it's free. The second thing you can do is frequent, 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 man, I'm never going to get that right. Frequent them as much as possible. That is another thing that's tough to do, I understand. Um, so doesn't mean buy from them all the time. That's up to you. But definitely frequent them in some kind of regularity. Um, that does help them, believe it or not. One, because maybe you'll each time you go and you buy some picks or maybe, you know what I mean, Just it just helps. So frequent them as much as you can often. Try to keep a conscious effort to do that. Those are good things. Besides, these are not just like a charity case, the mom and pops. They have value and they give value. So it's not like I'm asking you to do something for charity. This is literally something for you too. You can go and check out something new and have some fun. Um, and then as you can imagine, just remember that the highest margins come into the uh, accessories area. And so uh, that's why I said sometimes uh, I, I, it's a habit. I've had it. It had nothing to do with owning a store, although a store really kind of cemented this into my head. Uh, if I went to a store and I walked around, I tried five or six guitars and I didn't find anything to buy. Uh, I would just go to the counter and buy a pack of strings because I knew they made like two bucks, you know, three bucks. And, uh, and at least that's money transacting. So again, the, the, those things help. And, uh, and there you go. And, um, and, and that's, and that's the best way to support them. Why? Because that's an honest way to support them. You know, I'm not forcing you to buy something you don't want to buy just to help them. That's not fair to you. But like I said, you can definitely give them free advertising and, uh, and give them frequency to check out new gear. Cause that's kind of fun for you. And again, don't, both those things don't cost you anything yet to help them. And then like I said, buy some accessories, picks or strings. You can always use another pack of strings. <laughs> I made myself laugh because I'm like, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, Andrew says cars in the parking lot. Well, that's kind of what I meant, right? So I'll tell you a funny a funny thing. Hold on. A funny thing that uh, I used to hate, yeah, and like I said, at, at the store, was uh, if somebody walked in the store and there was five customers in the store, they would, everybody would, you know, look at stuff and I could sell stuff. I could sell no, nothing. It doesn't matter. No one said anything to me, <laughs> but if somebody walked in the store and it's empty, the first thing out of his mouth is like, how's it going? How are you doing? How's business? And you'd be like, yeah, like I'm an idiot. And I didn't know like, oh, you're asking that because you think it's dead. I get it. So yes. Uh, so great comment about having cars in the car being in. That's why I said being there helps. 
It just does. Uh, so, so like I said, frequent them and it doesn't cost you anything to stop in and check some stuff out and, um, and then buy some stuff. And those are some other things. But another thing, too, is keep in mind that I don't have all the answers. So you guys also put in some answers, especially on the rebroadcast. Give suggestions. Um, you know, there's a ton of things you can do. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it'll help. And, and let's be clear. We do need these stores. There is a reason why they exist. I understand we all have the Internet as well. But there is a, there is a little bit of a world where they can live together. Um. Jeff B. All right, Jeff B. He says, why don't I ever talk about Collings guitars? Yeah, it's because I can't afford one. (laughs) I will tell you this. uh, Every time I've gone to Nashville and I go to Carter's Vintage Guitars, because that's where I always go if I go to Nashville, and uh, they always have a Collings, uh, you know, one or two laying around. You know, and, uh, you know, I say laying, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you pick them up and go, Hmm, I want this. They're pricey, man. That's it. That's all. Jeff, they're great. Of course they're great. I love them. Uh, you know, and, uh, will I get one one day? Maybe. You know what I mean? It's, it's when it's, when it's, when guitars are kind of crazy expensive, right? And I know everybody always says, and I think somebody always has the same logic that always kind of strange, like, well, why don't you sell a bunch of guitars and get one of those? And I'm like, I don't know. That's work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Besides like, you know, I, I bought my first really expensive guitar uh, in 2020 and I had to sell like nine guitars to get it. And it, it took two months. It was a lot of, it was a lot of work to get one expensive guitar. And after the process, it was exactly what I thought time-consuming and expensive <laughs> so um it's not it's not always the case but i love callings man let's let's just say i mean those of you who played one or owned one if you own one you're super lucky uh really great stuff in fact like i said i bought my s-235 last year uh from bizarre guitar in reno and trust me i a collins would have been great it was double it was twice as much it's better but it was twice as much so it's like you know Nah, so there you go. That's that's my answer. It's probably not a good one, but it's all the only thing I got. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, Ross wants to know what kind of what sort of money uh, guitar is he talking about? Oh, so the Collins guitars, four grand, five and six grand. Uh, I've never I've never seen them less than four grand. I mean, maybe you know a used one and maybe something like that. But yeah, let's just say four grand, easy money for them they're in the four and five thousand dollar range it's like it's the kind of guitar you walk in and go do i want this or a kawasaki (laughs) i don't want a kawasaki but you understand you have to think like that all right um let's see okay let's uh let's uh, i have some super chats penned over and i didn't answer any yet so let me grab a couple real quick uh so uh the first one came from Roberto. Roberto says, hey, Phil, do you have an opinion about Fender Ultra Telecaster? Is it worth buying? Uh, he says, I'll probably wait until the price goes down. Thank you and have a great year. You rock. Okay, so the first thing is, if you want my advice, the price is not going to go down. That is one. You might find one used. Therefore, that's the discount you get, but they're not going down. Uh so my guess, and again, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, buddy, you know, 
I can only tell you again what I think based on the industry. I think prices, obviously, we're going to see some inflationary pricing this year. Uh, you're not going to see uh, companies. You're not going to see every guitar company in an article like you did this year going record year year in sales and then go, and we're reducing prices. They're, that's not how the, the business model works. So um, you have, obviously, we have, because of COVID, costs have gone up. I mean, that's just a factor of it. Think about this. Shipping, in some cases, have doubled and tripled, okay? So there's cost is going up. There's a lack of parts for stuff. Um, so it's a, it's, that's a, just a physical part of it. That's a physical part of it. And, and, and then the non-tangible, non-thing is just they could just raise prices because they know everyone's going to buy one. So uh, my guess is they will we'll raise prices eventually. I'm not saying when or why. I don't know exactly when or where or how. I just think that's eventually where obviously it goes. Um, so if you're thinking about getting one and you're waiting for the new prices to go down, I would just I would hunt for a sale, that, you know, a retailer that's willing to give you a deal. Uh, and I can definitely t- tell you that if you go on Reverb, or you don't have to go to Reverb per se, but if you go on Reverb and look, a lot of those mom and pop dealers on there, if you give those a physical call and say, hey, my name is Roberto, I'm pretty awesome because I hang out with Phil McKnight. No, no, you don't have to say that. Don't say that. Just say, hey, my name is Roberto, and what kind of deal can you give me on this Ultra Telecaster? I really want one. And uh, I've, I found that the uh, you ask for a deal, and... Um, there you go. The amp I bought from Sam Ash yesterday, I did exactly that. I said, hey, what kind of deal can you do on me? I said, make me buy this right now. And they said, guess what? The price is going up as of next year. So it's really tough for them. Because I understand what they're saying. They're saying it was tough to discount this one because the next one they have to pay more for. But they still gave me a discount. They gave me basically tax out the door. 10% off. That was fine. That's all I needed to, to move that needle. So that's what I would suggest. Ask, uh, find a dealer. Ask for a deal. Um, and then what's my opinion? I haven't played the Telecaster or the Ultra ones. I've played two or three of the Ultra Strats. They were awesome. They play great. They're fast. They're like super stratty kind of things. They're really cool. So, I mean, obviously I'm a Fender guy. I mostly play Fenders. That's, that's like kind of my main thing. So I'm always going to, you know, like Fender stuff. I play Fender amps and guitars. It's like 90% of the time if I'm playing, that's what I'm playing. So that's my, my, my opinion on that. Seth says, what does he says? Yo, P-Nizzle. <laughs> this could be a thing now. Okay, yo, P-Nizzle. I recently got a vintage Carvin DC200. Oh, those are cool. Uh, stereo build quality seems to be up with custom shop Gibsons. Thoughts on Carvin? Look, I love Carvin. We, a lot of us love Carvin. We know what the problem with Carvin was. The damn resale value was horrible. And it probably still is kind of. So I never, I never had, or ne- I've never had a issue with the build quality of a carbon guitar. So never working on them, never, you know, taking them on trade, never playing them, never with friends. You know, I'm sure there's bad ones out there, but I've never seen one, uh, you know, personally. So very good guitars very underrated and of course and that's one of the reasons why the resale value was horrid and of course with the rebranding with kiesel not only kiesel has helped the resale value of kiesel because kiesel resale value is much stronger than carbon i've noticed that it's done so well that it's uh it's it's rising it's rising the value of the uh carbon uh guitars so i've seen a little bit of that too so yeah uh, so, uh, cool guitar, and uh, I hope you got a good deal because it's a cool guitar. Uh, huh. Nemet, I don't even. Ned Om Meadow. That's a lot of different. 
thing's not working on this name. I'm sorry, buddy. Ned. I'm going to say Ned. You're Ned. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're just going to, we're going to give you a shorter name. Ned, Ned wants to know my opinion on FGN guitars. Uh, those are a Japanese made guitars, uh, in a thousand dollar us dollar range to the $600 range. Also, have you heard of a Swedish brand called green guitars? I have not heard of that brand, but obviously I like FGN. Uh, Lawrence Petros has an FGN. I was going to get an FGN less Paul somehow. Uh, this is what I think happened. <laughs> I was looking at a few on Reverb. Everything seemed good. And then I was so excited about them. I did this video. It was like guitars, best guitars under a thousand bucks. And I did this video and in there I talked about FGN. And then I, like a week later, I went to go on Reverb and then there was like hardly any left. So I think that I'm not saying the video did that. I'm just saying that's how it timed out. So, um, so uh, yeah, I could see myself getting an FGN. I want an FGN, a Les Paul style guitar. It's on the short list. John Doe. John Doe says, hey, Phil, always looking forward to the show. Keep up the good mood. Thank you, buddy. You keep up the good mood as well. Happy New Year. I should be saying that all for the show. I don't know why I'm not saying Happy New Year. Um, Guitar Sickness just wants everybody to know that he loves his Kiesel. <laughs> or she loves. They love their Kiesel. They. Descriptive. Um. Okay. Uh oh. Um Ricky wants to know my thoughts. I just saw the question so I like it. Uh Ricky wants to know my thoughts on my Bogner Burnley pedal. Well, I have that pedal. Um I had that pedal I have it pedal, I should say. I still have it. It's not currently on the board. It was on the board up until maybe about a month ago and then it's out of rotation on my pedal board right now. I really like that pedal. And one thing I will say about it is, and I've said this a couple times in the other podcasts about gear like this, I had my Bogner Burnley pedal before I did my first YouTube video, and I still have it today. And that is, you know, the part of this gig with the YouTube gig, checking out gear, talking about gear every week, every day, you know, the stuff cycles through. It's just a, it's a physical thing. The, it's, it's, it's a physical thing more than anything else. I physically just do not have the room for this stuff right so stuff comes in some stuff goes back but either way it still takes up a lot of room sometimes i can have 10 guitars at the house and none of them are really mine but they're here and that means i have 10 cases 10 boxes you know i don't have a huge house there's no there's like there's no room for this stuff um so pedals and stuff like that are the same if if i can't find a reason to really love it it has to go, even if it's something has nothing to do with the youtube channel something personal i like so the Bur burnley pedal is one of those pedals i just really like I just do. Um, and I have the first iteration. I know they have a new version. I have not tried that. So I don't know if that's different. So, you know, I have no reason to believe it's different, but I have no reason to believe it's not different. So there you go. Ah, Max says, what's in the mug? Water, buddy. Sadly enough, water. Uh, I can't even have like a Coke or a Diet Coke or Coke Zero or maybe a Coke or whatever. I can't have anything. Uh, it's literally, to you guys, it probably doesn't seem like anything, but... When you watch a lot of YouTube channels like this on live, usually they have a guest or another person and they're breaking and they're talking. Or if you watch a lot of the channels that do live like me, it's just them. They don't keep this, the, the, this pace of no, no silence. I don't like the silence. <laughs> and so uh, my, 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 my throat goes dry because I'm just talking too much. 
I talk so much in, the, in these shows that sometimes I have to make sure I don't talk for at least two hours before the show starts. And, watch, so you can see, and this is no joke, before the show starts, so you can know this is it, I have to eat a Ricola. <laughs> That's like I have to prep for this like a singer does for a show. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys, I'm sure some of you guys are singers. If you guys got tips, you 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 let me know. But literally nothing has worked other than a Ricola before the show. Try not to talk for at least an hour, two hours before, and then drink water, keep a pace of water. And uh, and that's how I, because like I said, right now we've been talking for 42 minutes, but yeah, like last week it was two hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I want you to think about this for a second, you guys listening right now. I want you to think about the last time you remember nonstop with only, and, and I can tell you, I can tell you because I rebroadcast as a podcast, I get to see the stream. If you were to add up all the times where I'm not talking, when I'm reading or thinking or whatever, it's not even two minutes. So that means last week I talked for two hours and 23 minutes consecutive almost. You know what I mean? Minus a few seconds here and there. So, uh, that's a lot of damn talking. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, uh, John Anderson said slippery elm lozenge. I will, I will make note of that and check it out. Cause like I said, it's, it's just, a uh, wear a scarf. That's all right. That's not all right. That sounds strange, but I'll do it. Uh, yeah. Tea with honey. I did tea a couple times in the show with honey, warm tea. The problem is the show's so long. The tea goes cold and then I don't like it. So I tried hot drinks. Hot drinks don't work. The show's too long. I need a, a PA, a personal assistant, bring me another little hot drink. Coffee doesn't work at all. Anything that's uh, 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 cr- got milk in it or anything sugary, it gets sticky. And So just water. All right. Uh, honey and marshmallows. I like this. I like the suggestions. Thank you. Oh, I, I get to read them later. So I'll, I'll read all the other ones too. Um, Brian says, can you buy a scarf in Arizona? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> I would assume you can. I would assume you can. I don't know. Um, uh, I, you know, <laughs> let's just say I've never had to. How about that? Um, Okay, so let's get back to the track. Okay, so um, uh, V-Man. Oh, okay, uh, V-Man, I know. I'm just going to do this. So, you, so He said, what's up with the mini amps I was talking about a while back? They're not out yet. So here's what I think is going on with a lot of companies. I can't tell you for sure, but there's a lot of companies, seems like they're really hyper-focused to release everything like in this virtual NAM that's going to happen. Uh, so, like uh, again, this uh, looks like January 12th, January 10th, to January 25th. It looks like that's the range where everything's out. I'm not saying they're dropping then. I'm just saying maybe that's when they drop. Um, the uh, so, But like I said, they will be coming. Uh, so there you go. And some of you guys actually know about them already. I've, I, I've seen. You've talked. So I know you know about them. Um, okay. Hold on. <laughs> you guys are still talking about scarves. Get a mug warmer. All right. <laughs> I'm like, never thought about it. Uh, okay. Okay, so let's go. Let's go. Hold on. Let's get back to questions again. Uh, so we're going to go and refresh this because I have it's gonna. I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot more than I thought because I was looking at the wrong side. Okay, let's go through some of these real fast. Uh, we got Legacy Magic. 
They want to know, Happy New Year. They, they didn't want to know that. They wanted to say that. Happy New Year, Phil. Happy New Year, Legacy Magic. Uh, I rang in the new year by jamming with my friends for the first time in nine months. Oh, dude. Man, I am missing. This is, last year was the longest. Well, not that, last year. Now, this this today is, is today is officially, it's like yesterday was officially, and day four was officially the longest I've gone without listening to live music. This is the longest I've gone without playing with other people music. It's It's been a pretty excruciating thing. The only thing is I'm doing the thing that I think you're supposed to do, which is as soon as I try to pity myself or, or say how sucky this is, I remind myself that the actual musicians are actually ones getting screwed here. And, um, and let me tell you, and I, this is a message to all you touring musicians and all you performing musicians. Um, you know, I know some of you guys are out there right now and some of the places are doing some gigs sparsed out and doing some stuff. Um, let me tell you the first time I can give you some money, I'm going to do it. I, I really will. I can't wait to see some good, some good music. Um, so let's get back to his question or their question. I'm sorry. It says, uh, it says, uh, jamming with their friends the first time in nine months. I hope you all get the same. Oh, to share music with friends uh, uh, too. Yeah. Like I said, I'm glad that you did that yesterday. Um, I, in Arizona, uh, I don't remember when, uh, I feel like it was, maybe about it could be 10 years ago it could be five years ago but we legalized uh firecrackers uh we didn't have them forever because of course it's uh because mostly when you sell firecrackers you sell them in july for fourth of july and i don't know why anyone thought it's a bad idea to launch firecrackers in the desert in july Think about this. Uh, anyone, I know some of you viewers are from Tucson, Arizona. I don't like to be so so specific because it's like a global audience. And you won't get all the joke references. But here's the funny thing if you live in Tucson, Arizona. A little fun fact about anyone who's ever lived in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona has Tucson, Arizona has a tradition, by the way. It's every 4th of July you go to A Mountain and watch them burn down the mountain. Uh, every 4th of July they have fireworks. And every 4th of July, halfway through the fireworks, they stop the fireworks and the fire trucks come out and because they caught the mountain on fire. It is the dumbest weirdest thing ever there it is literally a tradition some of my tucson friends you'll holler out you'll know what i'm talking about uh because you know they set fire to the weeds it's the dirt you guys seen pictures of the desert it looks like dirt and weeds we catch it on fire so anyways my story is they now have fireworks here and so of course they sell them for new year's eve and if you guys have pets you know what a nightmare that is so every fourth of july my wife and i are basically what we've learned to do is we like last night my wife and i uh had some adult beverages uh for the kids <laughs> right no we had some adult beverages and we listened to uh, music uh, uh and watch music on on youtube so i play music not super loud but loud enough to where um the dogs don't freak out as much you know what I mean? The dogs don't don't like the fireworks. My dogs don't like the fireworks, and um, and uh, we just make it through the night, and that's how. I, so that's how you go. And I don't know why I'm on that tangent. Oh, because you were jamming with your friends. I was gonna say that's that's cool. But my tradition with my wife is we play uh, music, uh, playing music through the TV or the radio, or uh, and and um, and so and so the dogs can you know not freak out. Uh yeah, Michael says Fourth of July is National Scare the Crap Out of Your Dog Day. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, the problem I have, the problem we have, is not only does it upset the dogs, uh, the uh, my dog has seizures, and um, and because he, we keep him under control, 
the they don't have them on the meds because if they put them I, I know this is going weird again on the conversation but my dog has seizures and we've taken them to the vets we've even had a second opinion vet but the vet we have is really good and basically what happens is if we put them on the seizure medication it's going to shorten his life and because the seizures uh, we we have to track them so when he has one we have to track when it happened how long it was you know we do everything to, to console him and he's a young dog so that's why it's kind of strange it's not like my you know i have two dogs i have one older one a young one so it's not like your older dog this dog is young like you know he's a couple years old he's a puppy still and so um when he freaks out when stuff stresses him out sometimes that's he has the seizure, like not then, but within like a day, you know what I mean? You could tell it just like messes with him or something. So we were trying, you know, you try not to aggravate the situation, but the, the problem, the other, the main problem we have is, um, my dogs don't like to go outside when it's raining and they don't like to go outside when the fireworks are off. So are going off and people put off fireworks like four o'clock in the afternoon until like one in the morning. So that time is so long. They don't go outside to go to the restroom. So we have to put out puppy pads and there you go. That's, that's the, yeah, that we got off subject. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to guitar stuff. Uh, all right. Um, okay, so we're going to go back to some guitar questions. Uh, the next one comes from Fred. Fred says, Happy New Year, Phil. Happy New Year, Fred. Question. I, uh, I, okay, it says I, I livey, but I, okay, Les Paul traditional, traditional 2012, but the neck pickup 57 is too dark. Okay, so I think he's saying I like. I understand we get typos. <laughs> so I've now deduced that I lively means I like. I like my Les Paul traditional 2012, but the neck pickup, which is a 57, is too dark. They are dark. That's why I like them. I like sometimes the darker tones, sometimes. And, uh, and uh, yep, and any tips or suggestions? Do I need to change my pickup? I would. If, if that's your issue with it, um, you're not going to be able to brighten it with any kind of uh, changing out the potentiometers or capacitors. There's nothing that's really going to change the overall tone of that pickup. You could adjust adjust it, you know, the heights on it and stuff. Of course, you can always try the controls on your amp, but I understand what you're saying. Sometimes, you know what I mean, you don't want to color things up with with uh, the EQ of the amp and, and stuff like that. But I would change out the pickups and go, go to something a little brighter. And that's a pretty easy thing to do. There's tone charts online. You can kind of figure out where to go from there. Byron says, I recently bought a Slick SL57, the Strat one. Okay, so he means Slick, the brand named after Earl Slick. That's the, the, the sponsor behind that. It says, I just got a nice deal on a set of Fender 5762 pickups. Okay, and uh, is it is the upgrade really worth it? I'm looking for a warmer uh, yet glassy percussive sound. Um, well, I think it's worth it. First of all, let's put this in perspective. I like just the adventure of the try. You know what I mean? That's what made the YouTube kind of thing fun for me. It's like, like I said, if I, my biggest problem on, on this platform is I'm doing stuff. When you guys watch a video that I, I do something, I've, I'm doing that way more than I'm filming it. I'm trying to film more of what I'm doing because I like to just do it. Sometimes I'll, I'll do a video, you know, comparing something, but I, you know, sometimes I don't video it. So I like the the changing out pickups and trying stuff and seeing how it works. So I I think it's fun. So is it worth it? I think it's worth it just for the, you know, to do it yourself. Of course, change out the pickups. It's not that hard. You know what I mean? Solder in a new set, give it a try. See what you think. Um, If you like it, put them back. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? And the I know, generally speaking, this question always frames itself around the value proposition. Is it, Does it make sense to put those nice Fender upgraded pickups in that guitar? And it does because you're going to keep the original pickups. And if you ever sell that guitar, you're going to take your, your, your Fender pickups out and you're going to put the originals back. And there you go. And here's the thing. And if you don't know how to do that, this is the best time to teach yourself. A good soldering iron is a soldering gun. So I call it soldering iron, I guess. Uh, soldering iron is, you know, anywhere from 10 to $50. Buy the nicest one you can. You probably won't regret it because the nicer one you can get, the better. Do it yourself. Super easy. Strat, strat pickups, strat pickups, tele pickups, stuff like that. Two conductor wire pickups, ground and hot. <laughs> That's it. It's a super easy proposition. It's one for one. You're going to take one. You're going to take the three uh, ground wires off the ground, right? And then you're going to take each one for one off the hots and just swap them. It's a it's a fast, easy process. Do it yourself. You don't have to pay a tech. You don't have to pay somebody like me to do it. And uh, it's not worth it anyways. Um, you know what I mean? Just do it. The only time you really should have somebody like me have my hands in your guitar is uh, if it's a little bit more complicated and and you're concerned about something. <laughs> You know what I mean? Sometimes it happens. You buy a guitar used, there's some weird stuff going on, you want me to check it and stuff. And diagnosing and checking stuff is a little trickier sometimes if you don't have the experience. Gunky Zip says, I got a new PRS baritone in December, but that was yesterday. <laughs> says, I uh, don't want to change anything. Is something wrong with me? Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. No, no, of course not. Stock guitars are the best. Most of my guitars are stock. I look behind myself right now because it's one of those things. Like I'm always thinking, I got to paint a guitar, and then if there's an Ibanez, to you know, over here with its aftermarket pickups. But everything else, hold on, I'm just taking a, a mental survey of what's behind me. Every guitar behind me is stock except for two. One guitar is painted, but everything's stock on it, and one guitar has aftermarket pickups. Everything else is stock. Stock is fine. I love it. I, that's what I want. I, I want to mod cheap. That's what I said. I like to mod cheap guitars because, you know, they're fun to kind of trick out and make them custom and make your own. To me, taking a, a inexpensive guitar and doing tricking it out is kind of like the equivalent of that. Like that's the that's the the working man's custom shop guitar. You know what I mean? It's the less. And, it, and I even say I don't want to say working man like that's offensive. Well, first of all, now there's working men and women, right? Working people, whatever. The point is. It's it's not so pretentious, right? Custom guitars are cool, but they're also kind of pretentious. And, you know, I like nice things like the next person, but I also, you know, <laughs> I like I don't want to feel like that. You know what I mean? So uh, sometimes decking out uh, an inexpensive guitar is the same feeling as a custom shop guitar. It just has that same vibe. It's something unique. That's what custom shops guitars are to me. It's something unique. It's something cool. It's like when I meet some people and we're talking about our favorite things, it's really cool to say, oh, what do you have? And I go, oh, I have a Squire and it has this and this and this and it's different instead of saying I have a stock instrument. So that's what's exciting. But stock instruments are good. And that's why, you know, if you can find the right one and leave it alone, that's even that's even better sometimes. Sarang says, HNY Phil. I don't know what that means. Hi, New York, Phil. Yeah. Did you check out the Ibanez 2021 catalog? I did. Uh, Daniel uh, uh, posted it on his Instagram. That's where I saw it. And he says, what do you think about the monthly editions they are planning to do? I didn't know about that. I didn't get that far. I just looked at the catalog to see what was new, what was interesting. I saw some seven-string AZs. And uh, I didn't 
I, I don't know. I, I, I saw a couple things that were cool. Um, you know what? Actually, the Paul Gilbert guitar. I'm such an 80s nerd sometimes for the, like I said, the 80s rocker guitars. I just think they're cool. Like every time I see them, I never play any of them. <laughs> There's, I don't know what it is. It's just not, nothing appeals to me in the playing of them, but man, staring at them. They're like war, uh, art. Like if I was, you know, it's funny. Everybody always goes, if you're a millionaire, what, you know, what, if you're rich and if you won the lottery, what guitar would you buy? You know what I think I would do if I won the lottery, if I was super rich, I think one thing I would do that was stupid is I would probably buy every dream artist guitar ever that existed. Like, I don't care what they cost, like whatever, you know, like the best Joe Satriani guitar, the best Eric Clapton, you know, the Jeff Beck. I'd buy all the artist guitars and just hang them throughout my house. <laughs> just because they, there's something about those guitars. When you see them, they, they give you a feeling. Like when you see Eddie Van Halen guitars, when you see guitar, artist guitars, they just fill me with, uh, they fill me with memories. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, these, these, these rock stars have meant so much to me for so long that every time I see anything that reminds me of that, it's just, it's memorable. I kind of like the equivalent of what I feel like my friends that are into sports feel like when they love like the 87 world Series. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm just, please go with the analogy 87 world series. And then they see like the 87 world series shirt or mug and then they like they have memories of that like i had a hot dog with my dad that's how i feel like every time i see an artist guitar it's like i remember like if i saw a george lynch guitar right now i remember the first time i saw Dawkins on mtv and if i see you know a a, a eddie van halen guitar i think about the first time i saw eddie van halen like in concert or the first time i saw him on mtv um and that's what it is it just incites memories and it's really cool so there you go Drunken scoundrel. As I drink. <laughs> says, I've been getting excellent service. Oh, he says, I've been getting excellent service and some great deals at Woodwind and Brasswind. Uh, you don't want to know how little I paid for a St. Vincent. Um, no, but I like the idea that you got a great deal on it. So that's great. See, and this is what we we're talking about earlier, right? Great way to shout out to Woodwind and Brasswind, right? Shout out to your, to the store that takes care of you. Like I said, I, um, that's why when I got, you know, I talked about Sam Ash yesterday, talked about uh, Bizarre Guitar that I got the, uh, the ES335 for. So really cool. Like I said, it's funny. I don't care how good I'm going to go on a tirade for a second. Let me, let me switch screens. I don't care how good the internet is. I don't care how good Google search optimization is. I don't care how, you know, how interesting all the things you can search for at midnight are. There is no deal better than a phone call or a face-to-face deal, period. I have never, ever, I mean, I've gotten some, you know, like you guys, I've stumbled across like the deal of the day and you click a button and you get a guitar and you're whatever, a pedal, and I've come across some deals, but no deal has ever been as good as a deal that's on a phone call or a face-to-face. The world is going to continue to be technologically more advanced, but people will always be people. And when you talk to somebody and you and you and you say, "Look, I want to buy from you," that has value. A person values that. The Google search optimization system does not value that. <laughs> right? Talking to people will always be the best deal. And I really believe that. So I, re- I the reason I say that is, is, uh, is that if you're looking for that product that you want and it's, it, you know, it's, it's something like, man, like I said, if you make a deal, I, I'll, I'll, I can mentally get to it. Right. Sometimes, like I said before, many times we don't need any of this stuff. This is not a channel of needs. We're not, 
fixing things <laughs> that matter in the world. This is all our dreams and passions and loves. And that's what we're here for is to talk about music and the things that we love that make music. And because this isn't uh, have twos, this is want twos, then sometimes you have to justify it and sometimes justifying it with a deal or a situation, right? It's just an easy way. And not everybody's the same. Some of you guys, I guess, are rich and don't care. And some of you guys, I don't know, maybe maybe you don't have kids. <laughs> kids will do that to you. Puppies will do that to you. But man, kids will, they'll find, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter got two flat tires in a week. <laughs> it's not her fault. It's the odds of that is so crazy. Uh, so, uh, so I've changed a lot of tires in the last two weeks. Um, and, uh, I just thought I'd share with that. So, like I said, uh, spare tires, uh, changing or buying new tires. Some, uh, when you don't think you're going to have to changes some, something about, you know, a guitar that's in my craw or a pedal. Okay. There you go. I feel good venting that out. Like I said, it wasn't my daughter's fault, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> Funny in the idea that um, I got the call, of course, like you get, and she's like, hey, I have a flat tire. So I literally jumped in my truck. Found, she was, you know, 15 minutes away from the house, went, changed the tire. The donut tire that came with the Honda. Um, oh, I should go on this tirade, by the way, uh, just because th- I know this is not a car channel, but man, for those of you, please, please bear with this. This is important. <laughs> this is like, I'm going to say this is a PSA. I don't know what the hell is going on with the car makers and this uh, not giving you I, I thought it was bad when it was a donut tire. I, I thought that was the dumbest idea ever. I don't know. I hate the idea of a donut tire in a car. But the new idea is you don't even get a tire. Have you seen this crap? They give you like you open up your, you know, your, your the, the the trunk and you go to get the spare tire and you're probably you're pissed because you're thinking the jack's going to be a piece of crap and you're going to get a donut tire. Instead, you get a piece of crap jack and a can of like fix a flat and you're like, what the hell is this? So her car was a Honda. Her Honda had a donut tire. The donut tire was flat. <laughs> um that was my fault. We didn't check it over the summer and it's so hot here. You know, I'm sure the tire just, uh, you know, just over time from heat and cold. So anyway, so I had to change your tire, get it. I had to go buy a new tire, then take it to her, change the tire. So then a week later, I got another phone call from her. She's literally just the other, like 15 minutes, the other direction from the house. And she's like, I got another flat tire. <laughs> so, all right. I feel better. I feel better. <laughs> We've grown as a we've grown as a community, and we've got it out of our system. By the way, the reason I'm telling you that is, please, when next time you go buy a car, uh, especially these new cars, um, I know it sounds stupid, but like I said, this is the public service announcement. Before you leave the dealership, ask the damn person at the dealership, does this thing have a spare tire? Because you're going to be shocked when you find out it doesn't. I have just just purchased spare tires for my cars. My son's Kia didn't have it. I had to go spare do that. It was horrible. So, and they're doing it and it has nothing to do with cheap cars and expensive. They're starting to do it to all the cars. So, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, that's Chris is saying they don't even, some cars don't come with spares anymore. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to say. That's so, there you go. Uh, 
Wanna Beetle says PSA, another PSA part two. Uh, check the air in all of your tires uh, once a month. Yes, yeah. What I do, I have my wife and the kids conditioned, which is cool. If you guys don't uh, have this service, um, the cars all have the sensors that tell us on the dashes, you know. Because, but uh, if you go to Discount Tire, you just pull in, no appointment needed. If you pull in at any Discount Tire, um, they have a little separate line. Sometimes you just pull in, and they will. You just drive right in, and they will check and air up all your tires and check everything for free. They do that as a service. That's why I buy. All my tires from them there you go so <laughs> okay now back to guitar the dank savage wants to know if i'm ever going to buy a pia pia no never gonna buy a pia um so the main reason is is i have a gem a floral gem and uh, i'm not gonna buy a 3500 pia it's basically the i played the pia um i played a couple of them i even got to check it out with steve i uh, which was really cool uh, and uh, a very cool guitar, very interesting guitar. Not my cup of tea. Um, I think the Pia is, a, you know, obviously I, I think Steve I comes up with some crazy ideas and some of them are, are, are really cool in my opinion and some of them are not really cool. But that's kind of how he works, right? I think he's, he's, he's definitely someone who's willing to go to the extreme with his crazy ideas. And that guitar is pretty, pretty out there. <laughs> so, but like I said, it's, really, it's cool, just not my thing. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. We got to go. Uh, next question is from Sergeant Power Wiener. <laughs> Guys, it's great. Uh, I know I've read that one before, but still. All right, uh, Sergeant. What do you want to do? He says, hey, Phil, uh, you should do a deep dive on solo Dallas equipment. I've never heard of them. So, okay. Not enough people are talking about his 70s T-top and Gretsch replica pickups. Uh, it's a shame his stuff is dismissed as ACDC only gear. All right. So it's, it's solo Dallas equipment. I will make sure to index it and then I'll put, I'll put a link to their website and check it out. I uh, can't promise anything, but you know, you never know. At least, at least it's on my radar. At least when you guys tell me about the stuff, it's on somebody's radar. Your guys is my guys. My, I don't have guys, just me. <laughs> I'm the production crew, the editor. I'm the PSA. That's why I can't go get me s- some more water right now. It says, <laughs> Todd Rogers says, how good are Stumac guitar kits? I have never tried one. Isn't that funny? The guitar kits, the mini kits are what got me excited. And I almost reached out to those guys to see if they would send me a mini kit. I was gung ho, but I'm still behind on a couple sharp max videos. And I just can't take on a project until I get these guitars done. And the problem I have with the sharp max sometimes with these guitars, the particular guitars I have right now is um, I can't send them back to the owners until the videos are up. And you guys have seen them and they're good because I told you guys this many times. I've learned this lesson on YouTube. Do not, you know, uh, like a guitar, when a company sends me a guitar or something like that, don't send it back until the video is not only done, but it's up and it's got enough views that I know it's going to stay there and I don't have any issues, <laughs> right? Because I've had that problem before. You know what I mean? Uh, where you're like, oh, crap, I didn't film this. Or somebody's like, oh, you didn't talk about this or you missed this. You know what I mean? And I have no way of refilming it. So, um, But I haven't tried any of their kits. 
perceptionally, they look like they're the same kits as everybody else. Like, uh, they don't look like they're the high quality crimson kits. I could be wrong. That's how, how it appears to me. It appears like they're using some import kits that you can get from other places, like like Harley Bitten. And I could be totally wrong. Please keep in mind. That's the point of why sometimes it's you got to touch stuff before you start talking about it. But that's just the picture impression I get. Um, but the mini guitar kits, if you haven't seen them, they're crazy. They're like mini, mini, mini guitars. Not like many, like a lot, like mini. <laughs> uh, like small. They're super small. They're not even like a half size. I think they're like quarter size guitars. Really cool. Um, and uh, that's one. I'll, like I said, I want to do it. I'll probably reach out to them. Uh, and to be honest with you, if they don't are interested in, in me reviewing it, I'll, I'll just buy one because it's not super expensive. It's just, you know, obviously if I can get them to send one out, it's, it's a little easier on the budget. It allows me to take that money. I would have bought that kit and buy something else and just keep the channel going. Uh, again, I have a budget that I try to work on with the channel. That's how come I do some of those some of those videos where I buy something or do something. Voodoo Fist says, "Hey Phil, happy 2021!" Absolutely, I'm excited about 2021 because we have no other option. <laughs> Looking forward to another year of of New Year gear. So I took a chance and I purchased a GNL Fulton Deluxe S500, and it's on its way. You always say good things about GNL, so looking forward to playing it. Yeah, I think you'll be pleasantly happy with it. Uh, I, th- uh, but I, I can't wait to know, uh, what you think. You know what I mean? You never know. But, uh, I, like I said, I really like my GNL. I really like GNL. There was a GNL during the middle of the COVID. It was funny. Uh, there was a GNL S 500 in red that I really wanted on reverb and it was a smoking deal. And it was at that, at that time last year where, you know, before the guitar boom, it was before the, okay, are we okay? Is everything going crazy? You know what I mean? Just where I was a lot of uncertainty with, with, uh, with my business and with all this stuff. So I just didn't feel like buying a guitar at that time. I was a little scared. And, uh, man, if I wouldn't, if I could have seen the, just a few months later that it'd be, you know, everything with the storm would pass and it would be fine. Uh, in other words, you know, land on my feet, so to speak, I would have got it. Cause it was such a stupid deal. It was so cheap. I mean, it was so cheap. I almost thought about just buying it. And then I go, well, if everything goes to crap, I'll flip it and sell it. But because I could have flipped it really easy. Uh, Troy says, hey, Phil, how do you roll the edges of a gloss maple fretboard with a satin back? Thanks, buddy. Um, Okay, I don't. So there are tricks out there. I just don't like them. They make me nervous. So I've seen people take... um, all kinds of objects, like even a wooden dowels to screwdrivers to all kinds of things and uh, run it along the side. If I roll the edge of my fretboard, it, it literally, I, I sand it. Um, and sometimes it means removing the frets and sometimes it doesn't. Depends on how bad and extreme it is. Um, and uh, so that I know your, your problem you're talking about is because it's, it's a gloss maple fretboard. In other words, you've got gloss on there and it's a little tricky. It's tricky proposition. It's not easy. I I don't have an easy answer for you. There's no little trick. And all the little tricks I've seen, I wouldn't try them. So, you know, people put all kinds of crap on the internet. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and I understand, right? Uh, the, uh, when I did the, uh, how to polish your fret video, here's a funny in- insight into this, uh, Troy, hopefully gives you some real good insight. So if you go to that video and, and of the, you know, I did the, I try out 10 different polishing uh, kits on a guitar. And in that video, 
uh, the viewers put all these suggestions of like other things you can use. And they're like, don't buy these kits, buy this stuff. And some of you guys, I think, had good intentions. And some of you guys, I think, are just assholes. It just happens. They're saying, you know, the, the world's made up of all kinds. So anyways, uh, what's the point? The point is I had this great idea. I was telling Ralph on a Saturday night. I said, hey, I have a great idea. I'm going to do a video called I Try All Your Like Home Remedies on How to Polish Frets. So I bought one of you guys, uh, you guys said, use a Mr. Clean sponge. So I bought that. Somebody said, use the Emery board. Somebody said, use that foam block thing uh, that somebody was recommending. So I got that. Uh, somebody said, get the ne- a cuticle file thing. I got that. Somebody suggested toothbrush and toothpaste. By the way, if some of you guys that suggest this stuff are watching right now, just pay attention to what about what I'm about to say. So I try all these things. I filmed it. I started, oh, I started filming and I stopped. I filmed it and I'm thinking, okay, this will be a fun video. Which one of these worked? None of them worked. In fact, I'm like half of them. I was actually started getting convinced that you guys were just being j- jerks. I was going to say another word. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? What the hell is this? First of all, the Mr. Clean sponge does not work on a fret. Now, here's the problem though. And this is why I said, if some of you guys are watching that suggest those things, here's why before you get upset and go and get upset. I want to tell you, part of it could be you don't have a experience of a better fret. Okay, so let's be very clear on this. Okay, um, to me, a fret has to be perfect. There's no exception on this. There's no levels of it. There's no like this is decent. Like there's no one to ten rating on how good a shiny fret is. It is great. Or it is not. That's it's a pass fail system for me, uh, and that's how it works. So you want you want it to be uh, really really good. You want it to be glossy, and it's and actually you have something to strive for. If you've ever played any of you ever played a stainless steel fret on a guitar that literally feels like it has no friction, that is what you're trying to get all frets to feel like. <laughs> okay, like beautiful glass, like skating on ice, like just beautiful, right? Um, in fact, here's the best analogy for those of you. If you were to put lubricant on a fret when you're bending the string and, and like, like if it feels really loose and, and, and silly, uh, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. That's what you want to feel like. (laughs) Okay. So my point is I tried all your guys' home remedies and none of them will do anything close to what, uh, some of these official polishes stuff. So again, somebody was saying like Brasso. Yeah, of course. Well, here's what I learned on that. If you guys watch the video and some of you guys did and some of you didn't on that, uh, on that video of where I tried the 10 different, uh, polishing fret systems, what I really did learn from that and deduce from that video. And I think that comes out if you watch it to the end is that a lot of the companies that are selling this stuff are just repackaging stuff. We already, you can always buy from other, you know, other genres besides the guitar genre so uh yeah like fret level midnight says i like the cheap magic cloth yeah see and what's funny is uh somebody one of the viewers and it's again you guys always have so much great information um i mentioned in that video that the cheap magic cloth was the same thing as the gorgamite sheets and then somebody sent me a link that showed that those two sheets are something else that you can even find cheaper for like 2.99 on amazon meant for something else so it was repackaging a lot of repackaging going on so there, all that is uh, what? All that is to tie back into the rolling the fretboard edges. I've seen some things on how to do it. I watched the videos. I've seen people talk about it. And the results to me are not of a level that I would be comfortable telling you to try. So it's a do it if you want, but I wouldn't do it to my guitar. And I will tell you this. Well, I will tell you this. 
everything, every video I've ever done on my channel, I did it to my guitar. And that's an interesting, think of this, when I'm shoving in pickups into my copper custom strat, when I'm, when I took my Paul Reed Smith 10 top guitar and stuck it on the string swing swinger and hit it. I didn't put like a Harley Benton somebody gave me for free. That's my guitar. When I'm doing my videos, it's my guitars on the line. And uh, like in my uh, myth video, that's my Gibson Les Paul that I was bending the neck on. <laughs> Again, not not some some cheap guitar that a company sent me to, re to review and I can just torture. My guitars are the guitars. Uh, and that's called, uh, the saying would be, put your money where your mouth is. I don't want anyone ever to call me out going, yeah, yeah, he does that because it's, no, I did it because I'm curious. And if I'm curious, I'm going to be the dumb enough one. And trust me, some people put stuff like they're nervous in the videos. I'm nervous. <laughs> Sometimes I stare at myself afterwards. Like, what? I, I don't know if I'm smart or if I'm a moron. I can't figure out the, I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> But deep down, I want, I, I want, uh, and here's why I want if anyone ever, cause it's going to happen. Okay. Somebody's going to come and say, make a comment saying, Hey, I tried what he did and it didn't work. And I, you know, I want to be able to say, well, it worked in my condition or it worked for me and it was my guitar on the line. So I'm sorry if it didn't work for you, but you know what I mean? I'm not going to lead somebody down. So that is what I'm saying. So unfortunately I I've tried a couple tricks on rolling fretboards other than the right way. I haven't found a cool trick yet. So I've seen some of you guys. And so, you know, some of you guys have sent me the links to other vi videos. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, why I'm saying. I'm saying I tried the tricks on those videos and I didn't get great results. So I'm not suggesting them yet. Richard, uh, Eric Richards. Eric Richards says, just play it until the gunk is worn off. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can do that. So, um, which is why, again, like I said, I still use the micro mesh stuff which simulates the wearing it, but you, you are going to wear off some of the material. That's like I said, the way I do it, it, you can see, but I'm going for a broken in fill and a broken in feel usually has a broken in look. So I'm okay with it. There you go. But that, but you have to decide that for yourself if you're okay with that. So Scott told me not to be abused in a Les Paul. Let me tell you, you know, it'd be a great question and I don't have the answer and I'd have to actually spend some time, you know, reflecting through the videos because I have to go through my videos. There's quite a few at this point, but I bet you I can tell you, I, I, I just can't think offhand which one is the one that made me the most nervous. The, the, uh, the string swing, not string swing, the, uh, the, um, zither stand, when I smack my PRS around the zither stand, I had already seen the owner do it. <laughs> to a guitar that's how i saw it i saw him do it and i go oh, okay so i generally get the idea it's gonna work and then i started you know doing it and i got a little bit more aggressive with it smacking around and uh i, I was a little nervous but i was also i felt pretty confident i could grab it if it started to fall <laughs> although i was maybe that was a false sense of security um without thinking about it without actually having any seriousness to it i think the most um the most I've ever been nervous is when I was been flexing on that Les Paul headstock for that video. Uh, it's, and if you guys ever want to watch what I'm talking about, it's the 10 myths video. I think it has a million views and, uh, uh, and in there it's, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> it looks like for, I mean, for a second, so, you know, a lot of, like if you thought I had the budget for CGI, you thought I had done that because you were like, what the hell is he doing? Uh, 
Okay, so hold on. Goldbug1974, great year, says, Phil, all caps. He wants me to yell this to you guys. I'm just kidding. He wanted my attention. I appreciate that, but all caps are always funny to me. What do you do with, you did it, you all capped it, with a neck no, that needs more adjustment, but the truss rod uh, nut feels like it's all the way. So, okay, so that's a good example um, or a good question, and uh, we have to address it from both ways because you didn't say. So when you say, what do I do with a neck that's the truss rod's been adjusted all the way, I'm assuming you mean all the way tight, right? So again, we'll go, we'll go, I'll answer both questions, just even though you didn't answer it. So uh, if you have a neck and you've adjusted the truss rod as tight as it can get, get and the neck is still not uh, relieved, one of the things you can do is then start decreasing the string tension. So if you have 10s, go to 9s. If you have 9s, go to 8s. 11s, go to 10s. You get the idea. Uh, If you can, go down two gauges, okay? And uh, I know that's crazy because if you're 9s, you got to go to 7s. It's going to suck, but that's what I would do. If I had 10s, I'd go to 8s, right? At At least one gauge down go down one gauge set, but if you can go down two, go down two. And reason why, and play it for about a month. And what sometimes can happen is the lack of tension. Remember, strings are constantly always pulling on the neck, right? So the neck's always got to fight that, right? It's always, so like my two hands are right here. My two arms are just kind of pulling the entire time. So imagine what we're doing is we're, we're giving up on one side. We're letting the neck win for a little while. And it's a hell Mary pass. And it works. Man, <laughs> Brian says, stop yelling. Am I still yelling? Maybe my mic's a little close too. Uh, anyways, it's a Hail Mary pass, but uh, it, I, I, I 50-50% of the time, 50% of the time. So you got a 50-50 chance uh, it wins. Um, you uh, The neck will continually straighten out. And then you can slowly uh, in, uh, add in the heavier gauge string back. And in most cases, it will stay the way it is. So there you go. Now, if it's the other way, in other words, you've, you've loosened it all the way loose and it's still too straight and you're not getting enough relief. And uh, then you do the opposite of what I'm saying. You increase the gauges of strings. So there you go. Now, if you brought it to someone like me, sometimes we can do stuff like depending on the neck, we can steam the neck. There's other things we can do. Um, we Also, I would have better diagnose the truss rod to make sure that the sometimes, sometimes your truss rod's lying to you. See, because your truss rod's like a stick. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the uh, the nut on the end, and sometimes wood, because uh, it depends on the guitar, right? You know, they, and it's not even how cheap a guitar is. Just guitars are, you know, they're wood and they're built by people. Sometimes there's dust, debris, wood chips, crap in there, and it's just not compressing as tight as you actually think it is. There's something in between it. So sometimes uh, I will undo the actual nut at the end of the truss rod, and uh, I have a little air gun, and I blow it all out, and then I use a little uh, little stick to clean off anything else in there, and then I you know, go through with a flashlight, make sure it's all clean, put that cap on, sometimes that fixes it as well. Those are all suggestions I would start. What's great about all those suggestions are you can do all those things and none of those things are going to make the situation any worse and and make it to where you can't take it to a tech when that doesn't work because that's what I think you should do after all that doesn't work. <laughs> Let somebody who knows, who's maybe experienced it a few times, take a look at it. They, they will, you know, that's what they have. They have tools and skills and tools and skills and tools. That's my, okay. Um, we have Jack Stowe says, thanks for making 2020 year of guitars for me. Awesome. I'm glad to see that you're part of the guitar community. You're a guitars player now. Uh, if you weren't, a, if you were a guitar player before, I'm happy you have more guitars. <laughs> says, you helped me uh, learn so much in the COVID months. 
I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for that feedback. Thank you for that. Uh, you know, that's the stuff that like, it makes you go, okay. Well, you know, when you're having that day, like, do I want to do a live show today? I'm like, you know, Jack Stowe will enjoy the show. Let's get on. Let's do it. So again, I, it goes both ways. If I give you a joy, keep in mind, you guys give me joy back. And I appreciate that as much as you guys seem to appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Brad Guitar Miller. <laughs> That's good. Uh, glad you're using the fret rocker. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, this is like the hanger mod. I ah, okay. So you saw it. Uh, we'll get into that. Hold on. Thoughts on the value of trading an S2 and SE towards a custom shop strat plus cash. Okay. Two different things we're going to talk about first. First, what Brad Guitar Miller is talking about is he sent me, if you guys remember, he sent me a fret rocker that's made of uh, aluminum or aluminum for our friends overseas. And it's uh, got rounded edges because I mentioned in a video that I don't like the sharp edges because if you drop it, it'll stab in your guitar. And uh, and uh, so in all of the shop videos, you'll see it behind me. It's uh, there. But what he's mentioning is, is that it's hanging. And the reason it's hanging is because I drilled a hole through it so I could hang it. So that's what he means by mod. Uh, I drilled a hole in it. <laughs> very, very unskilled mod, but yes, I just drilled a hole in it because I like to hang the stuff. Uh, uh, there you go. Um, anyways, uh, back to his other question. Thoughts on? Oh, by the way, uh, Brad, thank you again for that uh, that fret rocker. Um, and I'm not I'm not quite sure sure if you're selling them. If you are selling them, I think th- let me know. Send me a message, and. Uh, I would gladly, like I said, we'll promote them on the live show a couple times because you guys, it's a really cool fret walker. Obviously, I'm using it. It's the one I'm using. So, all right. Um, thoughts on value of trading AS2 and SE towards a custom shop strat. So, sure, you're going with the logic of I got a good guitar and a, a well, they're both good guitars, but I understand what you're saying. You got the, you know, the, the, the lower level, medium level guitar, and you're trying to go to the, you know, to the game, the show, so to speak, with the custom shop strat. What do I think about that? What's the value of that? Um, I, I mean, that's, ex- that's exactly, and there's a theory in trading, okay? And it has nothing to do with guitars, but just trading in general. The trading up theory. You're always winning if you're trading up. I'm not saying that's a fact. <laughs> I'm saying that's a theory. I do agree with it most of the time. There will be more, there'll be exceptions, but it won't be the rule. The reality is if you're trading up, you're usually winning in the trade. So if like, for instance, if you give a guy four up phones and you leave with a Gibson, you're probably winning because you traded up. You see what I'm saying? There's some people argue it from a value point. Four up phones are worth this much and the one guitar was worth this and you didn't get enough of the trade. There's all that, but usually trading up is winning. So, um, yeah. So if you want to do it, you should do it. I, I, uh, I, I'm on the record for custom shop Fender guitars as, as two things. One, one of my favorite guitars, if not my favorite guitar is my custom shop Strat, which is behind me. It's glowing blue right now, but I'm also on the record saying that, um, as much as I love it, I paid too much for it. It's just true. I love it. I bought it with the dream that it was amazing. It is amazing, but for some reason, I've never found a way to justify the value of it more than any other Strat. Other than the fact that I just have it, and now I love it. See how eerily quiet it can get if I just don't talk for like, what was that, five seconds? It's creepy. Especially if you're listening on the podcast. On the podcast, so you guys know, when this goes, the audio goes to the podcast side, I actually go try to go through and chop those out. Anytime there's dead space, I chop it. 
so you don't have a, a gap. Okay. Uh, let's do the next one. We got the next one was Michael says, uh, what do you think of the neural DSP quad cortex? Those guys talked to me in January of this year. They emailed me before the show. They asked me to stop by the booth, which I did. They said they'd like to send me one. I'm sure, you know, like they send them all the YouTubers. And, uh, and then of course COVID happened and I never heard from them again. And I didn't chase them back down, which is probably my fault. Um, so I have not tried it. Um, the main issue I had at the NAM show, which I think I said at the NAM show live video is, is they had a prototype, not a production model. I have, I have screwed up a couple times now on the YouTube channel and, uh, every time it's the same problem. I don't, I've learned the game. Uh, and, and what I mean by game is I've learned what mistakes I make when I review or talk about prototype or things that are not what you get, but what you might get. It always, always comes back to bite me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I've talked about this. Uh, if you guys watch my year review, I talked about the Yvette Young Ibanez. Exactly. They sent me, whatever they sent me in that video is obviously not the production guitar. I have the Yvette Young production guitar. Not here. It's in the other room. I apologize. It's in the other room. And although I still like it, it is not the same as the first one they sent me. In other words, the green, it's not green. It's like a yellowish green. And the other one was really dark green. And the neck on the first one was like maple. And this one's got that yellowed maple look, which I, I, I think yellowed maple is cool, but not on this guitar. So it doesn't look the same. And I've seen people complaining that it doesn't look like the pictures. Well, I feel guilty because I did that. That was my mistake. It happens. I knew I, when they sent it to me, I wasn't because it was COVID. I, I was thinking the problem was because COVID, you know what I mean? They just sent me like a marketing guitar because I said it in the video that this was sent to me by marketing. I disclosed everything in the video. So it's not like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm now I'm disclo- you know, saying something later. It's I disclosed in the video. It's not that I, I think that I should have changed something in the video. It's just uh, maybe I should have hammered home. We still haven't seen a production model. So what, what will happen is different. Neural DSP uh, unit is the same. I didn't want to talk about it until I saw a production unit. I see now YouTubers talking about the production unit. I have not put my hands on it. Um, all I can tell you is is where, how I feel about this stuff. I'm never going to buy an Axe FX. I'm never going to buy a Kemper for no particular reason other than they don't fit my needs. I know Axe FX has a smaller unit now, and I've considered that one. Is that the FM3? That one I'm considering. Like I said, I like my Helix uh, HX Stomp. Again, because it's a tool that makes sense to me. It's the right size for me and what I need it for. The neural DSP looks about the size again, that I think would fit what I need because I want those units to be portable. Um, what I didn't like about the helix, the helix LT, the, the bigger, uh, the bigger Kemper units and stuff is I, if I, I play a fender Princeton, if the thing I'm bringing is bigger than the amp I was going to bring, what the hell am I bringing that for? <laughs> right? I want to bring something smaller. I want it to fit in my gig bag. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so, so the neural is the thing I would try because you know why? Because it's the thing I would use. I already know. So, um, Aaron's saying I should reach out to them. I probably should. I have their email. I should probably sit there. And Tony says he loves his Kemper. 
I, I do too. I played the Kempers. I played the Axe again. It's not an issue of not liking the quality. It just doesn't fit. Those products don't fit my needs. My needs are uh, if I'm using the processors, uh, I'm usually either a recording. So it's just, you know, I'm using a sound and I, I don't need multiple effects and stuff because there are multiple units or multiple tones because I'm just recording one sound at a time. So I don't need a whole lot of foot switches. And if I'm taking with me, which is usually mostly the case, I want it to be compact. So again, so that's why. So yeah, I'm interested in it. I just don't know much about it at this point. Okay. More questions. How are we doing, Tom? We're going way over, always, as always. It's like, it's just what we do here. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I keep saying okay. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to fill space so it's not quiet. Uh, Mathis says, Phil, happy new year. Happy new year, Mathis. Um, from Sweden. Hello from Sweden. Best ES335-ish guitar for $1,000 US dollars or under. Have you tried or heard opinions on the Sire Larry Carlton H7? I haven't, but that might be... I'm looking at Sire right now to do a review because I'm going to get one, buy one and review it. Maybe that's the one to look. Or LC models. I'm curious. Cheers. Um, I, I want to seriously check out the new uh, uh, Epiphone ES335s, the new ones. Um, that's what I, so I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know about best, but I like my Gibson and I like the Epiphone as well. I've always liked what Ibanez puts out. I like what Washburn put out. I mean, there's, those are all good guitar guitars, too, but I like Epiphones. I like Epiphone hollow bodies. I've always thought they were the most underrated. They always, they always do great. You put, especially if you, you know, sometimes you just upgrade pickups and they're fantastic. Benjamin says, hi, I just moved to a condo and my amp is making a hissing sound. Okay, gain volume, do not change the intensity. How should I go about troubleshooting this? Well, a hissing sound's not a humming sound. So if you said you just moved to a new condo and you had a humming sound, you might have an issue with the electrical there. Um, but a hissing sound shouldn't shouldn't be an issue. Um, what I don't know is you didn't say if the amp's tube or if it's um, it's solid state. If it's solid state, this is not likely the case, but if it's tube, it is you did move it. You said you just moved. So if you moved it, if you moved it and it's got tubes in it, you might have a tube that went bad. Maybe it got jarred or damaged. Again, these are just very, very lazy guesses, but they're, you know, that's where you want to start. If it's a tube amp, always start with the tubes. So, um, the other thing you want to do is make sure that when you're, when you're having the hissing, um, the other thing you can do is take all the vo all the volumes, all the controls to zero. Make sure you plug in a quality cord with a gu guitar you trust, and then slowly bring up everything and find the hiss. And then when it's hissing, and you know it's not the pedal board or anything else you're using, and you know, then you want to take out, t start eliminating the uh, other potential issues, which could be the cable. Try a different cable, and if you know it still stays, then try a different guitar. You know what I mean? And just kind of go systematically through that. But if it's a tube amp, try the tubes, especially the preamp tubes. Uh, Lance says, Hey Phil, I was wondering if by chance you have a subscriber meet and greet plan for the near future. No, because of the stupid COVID. I don't know how to do it. Can you even do that stuff? Didn't that suck? I don't know. Like I said, I had everything planned for 2020. We were going to do a clinic even. I don't know if you know that I had clinics set up, not only for the restring events that I'd done previous, we were going to do some setup clinics, all kinds of stuff. I had sponsors for it, the whole nine yards. It was like this amazing thing that we were going to announce and COVID killed all that. So 
when, if that ever happens, I don't know. So yeah, we're all just like you guys. I'm playing it day by day. Every 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 day we wake up and see how the what what's the world got in store for us today. Litvay says, "Don't forget to hit the like." Hey guys, man, please don't hit forget forget to hit the like. Um, tell us about your ten versus twelve princes. Okay, all right. Uh, let me read the second part. Uh, just got a silver face vibro champ. It needs a faceplate. Any advice for me, anyone? I don't have any advice on the faceplate, but uh, Mojo Tone sometimes has parts like that. I think. I just don't know. Um, so what he's talking about is I have two Princeton, I have two sixty-eight Princeton amplifiers, uh, and they're identical in every way except for one has the green back twelve-inch selection and one has the ten-inch. Now they're different color vinyl, but I mean that's the only spec that matters as a speaker. I prefer the 10 inch is what's happened over time i really like having the 12 it doesn't make me want to get rid of that amp in any way but i prefer the 10 why i don't know i have no idea why i've even thought about changing the, the 12 inch but here's are the you know the the green back in it to another speaker but i think the main thing is the 12 inch speaker gives the princeton more mids and fullness and i really like that so i play that sometimes but then when i plug back in the 10 inch speaker that compression, that kind of snappy, punchy, compressed feeling is is like home to me. So reason I'm telling you that is I don't know how much of it is an actual tone issue or how much of it is a comfort thing. I mean, the 10-inch Princeton 68 I'm looking at right now to my left, that is the amp I play almost all the time. And I've played again since, since the, you know, before my channel started. So it's just an amp I love. I play. I keep playing. It's home for me. Um, but I love having another one because like I said, I have, like, I like taking a break from one and trying the other one for a little while. Adam says, Hey Phil, new player here. And then the screen jumps, but, but I, okay. I found Adam says, says, uh, Hey Phil, new player here. I bought a Les Paul Epiphone for $500. I want different style guitar next, but is it worth it to upgrade pickups in the Epiphone? And if so, which ones? Of course, it's uh, worth it. I think that's one of the things about the Epiphones that are great um, is that uh, you have the guitar that feels like a Les Paul. It's basically a Les Paul, and you can you know change the pickups, and that's the biggest thing you can do to change the sound. And if, here's my suggestions. I would go with whatever brand that you're comfortable with for price. You know what I mean? So think about that. So if it's DiMaggio or Super Duncan or, you know, Guitar Fetish, you know, right? There's all kinds of inexpensive ones to expensive ones. However, I would stick with, and of course you can actually get Gibson pickups and stuff, but I would go with whichever ones, no, I'm sorry, go with whichever ones are the price you feel most comfortable spending. Because that's where I've learned that this really, really sits. A lot of people are like, this is the best pickup. And this is the best pickup. What happens is, is again, sometimes it's just brand preferences. But definitely go with something vintage. So go with like if DiMaggio, go with the 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 Paths. If it's uh, if it's uh, Seymour Duncan, go with the Fifty Nines or the Seth Lovers. Um, if you go Gibson, go Fifty Seven Classics or Burst Buckers, something like that. Right? Go with something that's very vintage, and I think uh, you'll like it. Reason is is because I don't know what Epiphone you have, but you're saying the five hundred dollar range is what he's paid. A lot of times those have like these ceramic pickups that are not that exciting, more modern sound. Sounding. And uh, and so going to an actual more of a vintage style pickup really sweetens the guitar, so to speak. Right, it makes the makes it feel a little bit more like what what you know the the quote unquote real Les Paul sound like. So that's what I would go with. Super easy. 
there you go. Uh, Nathaniel says, do I have thoughts about heritage? Yeah. <laughs> next question. So next question from Scott. I'm just kidding. Uh, no. Do I have thoughts of heritage? Yeah. Um, I, the ones I've played are great. I, like I said, I did a review early on in my channel. Um, we've talked about them. You know, they've had some drama in the past with, with their employees and all kinds of stuff. The, the big thing with Heritage for me, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, when I did my ES-235, a lot of you guys are like, oh, I have the Heritage version. I look at Heritages from time to time. In fact, every time, I like I said, in the last you know two years, I bought uh, three Gibsons. I bought a Gibson SG P90s. I bought a the ES-235. I bought the Thin, the Light, uh, Les Paul. And every time I buy a Gibson, I look at the Heritage alternative. And... And, and, and everybody will say they're cheaper, the Heritage are cheaper. I have never paid for a Les Paul. I've never, not Les Paul, I'm sorry. I've never paid for a Gibson as much as Heritage costs. So although um, I think when you look on the face value of pricing, like a Gibson is like three grand and the Heritage was like 25, well, I didn't pay 25, I paid 22. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is because I think there's more Gibsons available out there, I've been successfully able to always find a better deal on the Gibson than the Heritage. And deep down, that's kind of like the logic for me is like, this is the guitar I want. It's the color I want. It's everything I want. And it's the price I'm okay with paying. And there you go. And so the Heritage, almost in every proposition, it was going to cost me a little bit more. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay more for the Heritage. Uh, because again, it does not, it's just not a va the value proposition wasn't there for me. It didn't make sense for me to pay more for it. If I could have got it even for the same price, I would have picked the Heritage. Why? I don't know. Su to support them, just like the GNL, to support them. Fender and Gibson doesn't need my money. <laughs> and, or nor do they act like they want it. You know what I mean? Let's be clear. You know, um, you know, I think it says, uh, I think it says, I think it speaks volumes. Let's, let's be very upfront. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel. By the way, today the channel will hit 75 million views. So my channel of gear and gear talk only and guitars will hit 75 million today. Thank you. I'm very proud of that. I'm picturing a lot of you guys are clapping right now. <laughs> You're probably not. <laughs> Anyways, I'm still picturing it. Anyways, Gibson, I've never worked with Gibson. They've never worked with this channel. And Fender, uh, they worked me a little, they worked with me a little bit. Uh, early on, uh, the way the Fender deal worked out was they sent me some pedals when those came out, which was really cool. They sent me a Squire. That was cool to, to do a video of. And they sent me the uh, Fender's Player's Choice guitar, or the Player's guitar, which is really cool. And then I don't know this to be true because I my general thought process with Gibson and Fender is they just don't have the time or the inkling to care about channels like this. It's that we're just too small, little little fish in a giant pond. They could care less. Um, that's my feeling. Okay. So what I'm saying is I, you know, as far as I know, Fender just stopped talking to me because, you know, I'm just a gnat. Uh, 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 but anyways, um, it could have been also though, because when they sent me the player's guitar, I did a video where I took it apart and compared it to their other guitar. And maybe they didn't like that. I don't know. I just, like said, all of a sudden they just didn't, they didn't send anything out and do anything anymore. What's my point on all of this is every Fender that you see me review, like that last year I reviewed that beautiful Telecaster right there. And of course, you know, my Fender Princeton's that we just talked about. I bought the Fender Princeton amp, this beautiful ES-335 that I bought right there. Um, all these Gibsons and Fenders you see me talking about, I buy them. So 
Um, there's no inner workings with me in them. So that's what I'm saying. If I could give the money to Heritage, uh, if I could justify it, I would do it because it, Gibson and Fender don't care about the channel and not that they should, but if they did, you know what I mean? It's at least, at least it'd be some incentive to want to push that way. But right now I just kind of go, okay, this is the guitar I'm looking for. And this is the price I found it for. And I'm okay with it. Like I said, that ES-335, um, I, I paid a great price for it. Such a good price that right now I could sell it. Uh, well, I wouldn't, but I could sell it right now for what I paid. Like it would, if, as soon as I put it up on reverb, it'd be gone an hour. So I wouldn't sell it for that. I'd sell it for more. So obviously that guitar is uh, already profitable. So, all right. Hope that answered the question in some way. Scott wants to say, buying you a beer. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. I uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. I might drink a beer. We'll see. I don't know. Let's see how the weekend goes. Grumpy Mike Guitar. Hey, Grumpy Mike. Says, if you missed it earlier, I see one of your McKnight mini guitars up on Reverb for 600 bucks. Oh, my goodness. It's not worth it. Don't buy it. Uh, it says the seller doesn't appear to be familiar with your channel. That's probably why he thinks it's 600 bucks. It's not worth 600 bucks. It's worth $75 plus shipping. That's what it's worth. <laughs> Maybe a hundred bucks. I'm not trying to be uh, what do you call that? Uh, I'm not trying to be humble either. Uh, well, I don't know. Hey, no, it has to be. Cause there's only, like I said, my bases, those will go for top dollar. I made physical bases, those physical bases. I mean, I've seen them go for, you know, two, three grand, the import versions of my bases. I've seen them, uh, for three, four, five hundred $500, 600 bucks. I've seen them float around those prices. Uh, but you never see them. Cause again, I only sold a few hundred, maybe like 400 of those, which is a lot especially back then, but not enough to where you're going to see them all the time. Um, but like I said, the guitars, I only made about 16 of them. And then like I said, I think there's only like 11 or 12 in the wild and they were inexpensive guitars for my daughter. Uh, and they're all the same guitars that Les Paul style. Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm just telling you guys in case any of you guys are curious, go look at it, but don't, don't be crazy enough to try to even think about buying it. Uh, cause that's ridiculous. You'll be a very unhappy person if you do. Snick juice says, <laughs> Snick juice says, happy new year. Here's a beer. And that's not a beer. That's a super chat, but you can buy a beer with a super chat. See, it's the same. There you go. I see where you're coming from. Guillermo says, happy new year. Much success and health to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, here is, oh, by the way, you know, it was great. Uh, new year's I got pizza. I told you guys I've been being, Hey, you know, no carbs, cutting out the sugars, being, Hey, you know, just been trying to, you know, and I ditched the weight I gained to COVID. And then, I, you know, like everybody, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go back now to trying to, you know, case the, be the healthier version of myself if I can. And, uh, but I said for new year's, we're having pizza. <laughs> so I had pizza last night. It was great. Anyways. Uh, so here's uh health to you. He says, here's a, here's a beer. You guys are what? just like, this is weird. This, <laughs> you guys, are, let's get him drunk. If I be, if I drink all these beers, I'll be hammered. That's kind of funny. Uh, also, cheers. But thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, how about if a couple of these beers, I just make them coffees. We'll call that square. Patrick says, Happy New Year. Love watching these shows. First time I've been able to watch one live. I appreciate you, Patrick, for jumping on and hanging with us. Paul did a super chat for no reason. And I'm going to try to clean some of these up real fast and go back over the main screen. Happy New Year from The Convert. He says, thinking of upgrading my SE Custom 22 with standard humbuckers. Will standard humbuckers fit? Yes. Long or short pots. Thanks. Short 
pots. They're not the long shaft like a Les Paul has. They're the short, medium pots. Um, uh, I say that because really the normal pots are what you want, but sometimes they make shorter pots. Very rarely do you see them, but they're for pick cards. Just I don't want to confuse short pots with the regular pots. Um, so those pots are normal. Yep. Standard pickups will fit. You're good to go. There's nothing special about the guitar in the way that the uh, uh, sizing fits. Uh, Caleb says, in your opinion, who makes the best modern four-string bass? You said best, not like best for the money. So I'm going to say best. I'm going to say Warwick, which is really kind of Spectre too. I'm a Warwick person. That's my favorite modern bass. That's what I own. That's what I like. That answer probably is not as exciting as you hoped, but I really like my Warwick. Tony says, Phil, is there any value on looking back, reviewing classic equipment, guitars, amps, pedals? I'm loving some of my old gear again. My PV Classic 1970s amp for one thing. Yeah, Tony, absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, no one, no one wants to see what most of these channels, including myself, are reviewing. Uh, The views, some people, I think I said, sometimes you guys, we have these conversations each week. And I talk about views and you guys think I'm focused on views. I'm not focused on views. I just know that views are an indicator of interest. And so when I make a video and 100,000 of you watch it, and then I make a video and 5,000 of you watch it, to me, it's not so much like, oh, I got to do the video that gets the views. I'm just also very aware that not many of you were interested in talk, looking at that subject that I was talking about. So sometimes I like the subject so much, or some of you guys like the subject so much that we just go with the, show, the lower views. But realistically, I think, uh, no, I think, uh, some subjects are interesting. Uh, like for, for, perfect example, me, I personally am sick of watching Harley Benton videos. Um, I think it was interesting. They were unique. They were cheap. They were like, are they good? What does everybody think? That was kind of fun. And then that kind of wears out. Um, there's always a new thing, but a lot of times when we're reviewing all these off brand stuff and these new brands and, and seeing the new, uh, guitars are sometimes cool and sometimes not, but I think always checking out a, um, checking out, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the old stuff is just fun, right? Like I said, you know, like an old PV amp or an old, you know, Gibson and stuff. I think, I think it's interesting, but what I've learned, and this is funny because Ross Horn, he just put, or it's the YouTube algorithm. Look, there's all kinds of, you know, of course, stuff going on with YouTube and algorithms and stuff, but here's, here's what I can tell you. I know. I mean, I, my friends that are watching this are, will tell you, uh, you know, to affirm, my wife can affirm this too. I tell my friends and my wife, every time a video goes up, I tell them how many video views it's going to get. I almost always nail it. Now, granted, sometimes I'm within like 10,000 or 5,000, if it's a lot or a couple hundred, I mean, their variance is like 10%, but I know I'll go, oh, this video will do a hundred thousand views. I'm going to put out this video and I go, I oh, mean, I hope this video hits 10,000 views. Or, oh, this video will do 50,000 views. I tend to know. You get a sense of this stuff. I know what people are generally interested in because I know what I'm interested in. And realistically, um, that's what really drives it. So although YouTube's out there and there's creating all this stuff, uh, it's, it's not that hard to figure out. In fact, here's a good example. And I hate giving this advice because I feel like this is an advice that should be secret. Especially you guys doing YouTube videos. <laughs> Like Aaron, he's there. Let me tell you a secret. It's not even a secret. It's so obvious, but maybe it's not sometimes. Every time a YouTuber's like, "Eh, how do I get views? Simple. Go find the video that you did that's got the highest views and do another video like that. Every time. 
it does views again. I'm not, it's the same. Why? I, I had somebody say, how come you did like three glare videos? I'm like, I don't know. How come every glare video did well? <laughs> the first one did really well. So I did another one that did well. So I did another one. The third one started tapering off. So I stopped. Sometimes I'm sitting around going, okay, what do people want to see? And obviously what they want to see is usually what they just saw. It's kind of funny that way. <laughs> right? So, uh, so, so there you go. Something to think about. Uh, it's sometimes it's that easy. That's what people, you got to give the people what, you know, what's the saying, right? You got to give people what they want. Uh, so, okay, let's go back to the next question. The next question is from Waterford giant. Waterford says, happy new year. Phil McKnight. That's me. Check with Matt V next week. Oh, he's talking about Matt Vandell. Okay. He's talking about, says check with Matt Vandell next week for a late Christmas gift. Ah, thanks for all you do. So Waterford, I think you got to be who Matt's talking about. Matt sent me a text saying that well, somebody who watches the channel uh, signed up for lessons with him. So I wonder if he's talking about you. So if he was, thank you for signing up for lessons with him. He's great, right? He's just a super dude. He's like the nicest guy. <laughs> he's just super nice, super polite, and man, talent. He's he, he can play. Um, so I will. I'll check with him. You know, so, you know, I need to really check with him in, with him anyway. So this is kind of gives me an excuse. So thank you, Waterford. I appreciate it. Steven says easy and relatively cheap fret buzz on the single fret 14th fret on acoustic. I have no idea, Steven, what that means. Hold on. I have to process that for a second. He it says easy and relatively cheap so easy fret buzz on the on a single fret so i think what you're asking me is how do you correct a fret buzz on a single fret uh so the single fret is the 14th fret on your guitar so in other words you have one high fret um i did a video uh and i'll link it it's uh, a slick guitar i did two slick guitars because like i said balance sent me two slick guitars and on one of them it's like how to fix I don't know. Crap. I don't know what the video is called. Hold on a second. Let me find it for you. Cause it's a, uh, it matters to me that you get the right information. Hold on a second. Um, okay. The it's thinking it's, it's called, it's not coming up. That's great. We'll try it one more time. I apologize, everyone waiting while I look this up. Nope. Um, I don't know what the video is called. Isn't that horrible? But it's the S slick guitar, not the telly version, the Strat. And in that video, I show you, it has a high fret, and I show you the tool I use. Um, the tool I use is from Stumac and it's really inexpensive. It's a plastic tool with a little uh, 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 sanding wheel on it. And I really like it for that. Um, and I use some Amazon files. I think that's what the video is called, right? Fixing a fret with am cheap Amazon tools. Um, because the kit I used uh, in the video is I used, that's what I used. I didn't use the, I, so typically I would use the Stumac tool, but in that video, I specifically used a cheap Amazon or a low, uh, tool that was like $12. So, um, it's, I'm pretty sure it's called fixing a guitar with Amazon tools. Uh, yeah, it's called, Oh, how to make an inexpensive guitar play great. 
is the name of the video. I will link it. Uh, and that's what you're looking for. And in that video, I, I call it kissing a fret. You just uh, do a fret. Stumac makes a special tool that's kind of expensive, of course, right? That's like their shtick, right? We make a tool that's expensive that does it. And it will do that as well. And, um, you know, hey, for the money, you know, it, it might be worth it. But uh, you don't have to. You can buy that Amazon toolkit dirt cheap and do it that way too. But either way, check out the video. Um, but... Uh, that's how you do that. Jeff says, ever use uh, Darko strings? I used them back in the 90s. Cheap but decent. Just seen Sweetwater again. Cheap rumor. They are fender strings. Uh, they are not fender strings. So here's what I can tell you. Fender used to have a string. So Squire, so you guys know, Squire was a string manufacturer. When Fender bought Squire, they were a string manufacturer. And when they bought them, they bought all their string manufacturing equipment, which was then moved to Ensenada, which is why Fender strings back in the day were made in Mexico. And so Fender had all their strings made in Mexico. And then somewhere around 2015, it could have been as early as 2013, around there again, you know, sometimes years blend together. Uh, Fender shut down that facility, not Ensenada as a facility, but shut down the string manufacturing. Fender currently makes zero strings. They don't make any strings. Fender has their strings made by Daddario. Daddario currently makes all the Fender strings, although I thought I heard or I understand that if you buy Fender bullets, Fender is manufacturing the bullet end and then maybe send it to Daddario. That wasn't confirmed with me. That was something I was pressuring the Daddario guys on. And I think the answer I got was like a passive maybe, <laughs> right? Because I kind of like, I, I think that's why I'm telling you that part, you know, I, I can't confirm. But I can tell you that all current Fender strings that you buy are made by Daddario. Now, disclosed by the Daddario guys is that they are made to different standards because Fender set the standards. The reason why I know this is because I was talking to the Daddario people about the fact that it confuses me because as a dealer, you pay less for Fender strings than you do for Daddario strings, but Daddario makes their strings. I'm like, how is that possible, right? How does that make sense? How do I buy strings from Fender for less than you and you're making their strings? And they that's when they said, well, Fender buys in bulk and they want a lower uh, uh, profit margin on the strings, but also they we spec them a little differently. I don't know if that's part's true. They just did what they told me. So to answer your question about the Darko strings, uh, maybe back in the day, maybe there was some kind of ghost making by Fender or whatever, but currently I can tell you right now, Fender doesn't make strings. So Fender's making nobody strings. That's, that's confirmed. Um, and Darko strings, if I've ever used them, it's again, it's passively. It's like something I probably opened a package, put them on a customer's guitar or maybe tried one once, but, uh, no, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm a pretty boring, ha habitual string buyer. I buy, uh, I like, I told you, I've said this many, many times. I'll say it again. I like Scott at, at, uh, string joy. He is super nice. I like the guys at string joy. They're super great, great guys. So I buy their strings. And I use their strings. And I like Jim and John Daddario. And I like the Daddario guys. I like all the guys I deal with at Daddario. And I buy their strings. So, you know, when I say I buy them, they don't sell me the strings directly. I buy the, my uh, Daddario strings uh, from suppliers, but not Daddario directly. But that's why I buy them. I like the people, so I buy the strings. I like the strings, but I buy them mostly because I like the people. After a while, strings lose their mystique. There's certain strings that for some reason don't work with me. And I, I've seen that work happen all the time with people. There's, 
you know, the strings, like some strings don't work with your, if you're sweaty, they don't work with that. If you're dry skin, they don't work with that. But generally speaking, I have good luck with both those string manufacturers and they, they do. I like them as people. I try to do business with people I like. That's just the way I roll. <laughs> so, and I always try to tell you guys that. So that you don't actually get trapped up in the, I don't understand, the quality is not much different than this. And why does he, th- I like you to know, uh, like I've said before, I don't believe in a thing called biased or unbiased. I believe it just, you know, uh, everyone's got a bias. You just need to know what it is. And that's my bias. I like the people. There you go. All right. Uh, Paul says, I bought a brand new guitar on Reverb. I took it out of the box and it had electrical problems. Okay, I told them I wanted a new one or my money back, and they are giving me a hard time. It's impossible to get them on the phone. Okay, so you're not talking about reverb. You're talking about a seller on reverb. I know that because uh, reverb is psychotically helpful. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I will tell you, Paul. Call Reverb. You don't even have to call. I don't like. I don't even talk to Reverb. I always do the messaging thing. You know, you can go there and it's like you want to talk. What do you call it? chat with somebody? I just chat with them. Just tell Reverb, Reverb and PayPal. I swear by those two when it comes to these situations. Okay, I've never gotten screwed from either one. I'm sure someone has. Even somebody probably watching this show. But it would be one out of a hundred. Okay, if I have a problem. I just go to PayPal. I always let always let the retailer, the seller, always let the person have the opportunity to fix the problem, right? That's just good. That's good etiquette. That's the etiquette. You screwed it up. It's wrong. Fix it. Once they don't respond, they don't take care of you, they don't drop the ball. Keep in mind, we just had a holiday, so factor in the holiday right now. I would. Um, but um, the uh, once once you know you've given somebody what you feel is a sincere you know a, an opportunity to fix the problem, they're not doing it. Then go to Reverb or um, to uh, to uh, a PayPal. First Reverb, by the way, never PayPal next. Because, again, PayPal's uh, process is different and you don't need to, again, you don't need to ramp it to nuclear, okay? Just, <laughs> right, right? Like some of, the, some of the people that served in the in the armed forces around the world know how this works. You don't take everything to the highest rank, right? You you go up in, in increments. Um, so, so in this case, I would tell Reverb, uh, yeah, Magic Man says they have a live chat. Just live chat Reverb. You could do it while we're talking right now. You could literally go to Reverb right now. Take... Take the the uh, sale uh, information off the you know off the uh, it, it'll have a, a you know a tracking code for when, what purchase that was. Uh, chat with a, a Reverb customer service rep right now. Say hey, I bought this. It's defective. I've contacted the buyer. By the way, if you're communicating, which is why you need to all communicate through the Reverb messaging system, right? Don't do emails direct to anybody. Always through the Reverb messaging system because when you go and tell the the uh, the um, Reverb customer service rep, they're going to pull up the transactional history. They get to see it. They get to look at your uh, uh, talking back and forth, and they'll get to see what had been said and what is done, and they'll immediately be able to take action. In most of the cases, what they're going to do is just flat out take care of you. Like they'll issue the label. It's crazy. They'll, they'll even, they'll take it in the shorts for you. This is crazy. They'll, they'll literally, they'll just refund your money and send you a tracking number and ship it to that guy. And then they'll deal with how to get their, you know, stuff from that guy. It's crazy. Um, so that's what I would do. And, uh, and, uh, and if for any reason you're, you're actually contacting Reverb and they're not helping you, please let me know that. Cause I've never heard of it. Um, 
I've had it. I've had. I've had issues with re, you know people on Reverb because you know like anybody, I buy stuff, and like I said, you're not having a great experience. And every time, in my opinion, Reverb not only took care of it. Half the time, I think they. I didn't like the fact that they kind of they took the beating for me. Does it make sense? Like they just they just uh, you know let the person you know the the they got screwed over. They'll take the hit for you. That's kind of like their the way they do business. Which is, like I said, there's things to not like about Reverb and there's things to like. It's just like any business. That's some of the things to like. They take care of uh, the sale. That's why it's safe to buy on Reverb and PayPal. So a lot of people are talking about PayPal too. I literally, PayPal I've never had a problem. Uh, realistically. <laughs> realistically. If there was a problem on PayPal, it was because, you know, I, I dropped the ball and I didn't uh, try, you know, dispute fast enough. I took too long to dispute. Um Okay, did I miss one? I miss Gregory. Uh, Gregory says, "I'm sorry, Gregory. If I missed, I don't know why I skipped over it. So I apologize." Uh, Gregory's uh, post was, "Hey Phil, uh, I wanted to thank you for years of positive content. I recently lost my father, and your podcast got me through my first days back at work. Uh, man, I, I I really appreciate that, and I understand. I've lost my father and my mother. I, I know what that's like, man. It's it's." Uh, and uh, it's a, you need, yeah, you need, you need as much normalcy, you need as much stuff to keep going. And, and it's a process that just is horrible for a lot of reasons. So I, I feel for you, man. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, if, you know, like you said, you're giving me credit for helping in any way. I appreciate that. Like I said, uh, you guys, when my father died way before I had YouTube, but my mom passed away while I was on YouTube, which was a weird experience with me. Um, because of the fact that, you know, how do I go, Hey guys, this is a cool guitar. By the way, my mom died. And, uh, so I didn't know how to talk about it and I couldn't talk about it, but I also didn't know how to make content and act like I was like, everything was great. So, but what's really interesting is what I learned was in that experience was to just like this, you know what I mean? Just rely on the normalcy. I could as much normalcy. And, and like I said, over time, it just, it just each day, like I said, just like I said earlier, Gregory, every day you wake up and you deal with today. And that's how it works. It's a day by day thing. And that's what I've learned from my experience as well. So, um, and happy new year to you, sir. And I'm sorry to hear about your loss. Paul says, um, no, I did Paul's. I can do Harrison. Harrison says, happy new year. Happy new year, Harrison. What is that baby blue strat in the corner? Well, it's in timeout right now because it's not behaving. That's why it's in the corner. I know you say you never put baby blue strat in the corner, but I did. I'm just kidding. Uh, it is a American professional strat with a solid rosewood neck in Daphne blue. It is all stock and it just has the solid rosewood neck. Um, I bought that one after I bought the American. I bought an American, which you've seen the videos. I still have it. I bought an American standard strat with solid rosewood red neck in red. And I the neck is just too small. It's it feels like a music man. That's how small the neck is, which is cool, but not what I wanted. I went into Guitar Center. I've only this is one of the only few guitars I've ever bought from Guitar Center. Um, oh, actually, uh, uh, you guys know um, I bought a uh, a guitar from Sweetwater. It was a Telecaster, and I didn't think the guitar was right, so I sent it back. And then I had an in-store credit with uh, Sweetwater. Well, also in that video, if you notice, I went to Guitar Center. I bought a used Telecaster. That didn't work out, and I returned that. Well, when I return stuff, I always get in-store credit. 
the reason is, is because I've learned it has to do with, you know, hey, I'm a married man. When I spend some money and the wife's okay with it, I like to keep that money in play. <laughs> okay. Um, the way I like to explain things is my wife has no problem with what I spend, but if I spend something on a guitar and then I return it to the bank account, it's almost like, like I said, the money is now fair game again. So then when I go to spend it next week on a guitar, I go, Hey, I'm getting this guitar. She's like, with what? I go that money I spent or the money I had. She's like, Oh yeah, no, that's tires for your daughter now. So, uh, I tried to always keep the money in play. So what ended up happening was I had an in-store credit to guitar center for that guitar. And I ended up walking in there many times until I got that guitar. So that's what I bought with that in-store credit. So there you go. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, Bruce, Bruce says I bought a new PRS Angelus guitar. That's the acoustic, uh, a sixty E in zero coat, zero coat. I don't know how you say it. Zero coat, zero coat. I don't know how you guys pronounce it. I've heard it a thousand times and forgot it already. Uh, probably the best acoustic for the money I've ever played. It is, however, laminate back and sides. How do you feel about laminate acoustics? Look, there is things that are good about laminate guitars, and there are things that are inherently not so good about laminate guitars. And it works something like this. A guitar, acoustic guitar's goal, besides sounding good, because that's important, right, is the most thing is, is it's important that, it, or sorry, besides its goal to sound good, it's to try to be loud. The more solid it is, the louder it will be. So a solid top, solid sides, solid back, and the sides are always a little like iffy, if that even really applies, you know what I mean? But a solid back and top obviously makes the guitar louder. A laminate top will not uh, vibrate as much and won't be as loud, okay? So uh, re realistically, there's a reason why you want to play with this. Now, why would, you, so when somebody says, why would you want a laminate top guitar, a laminate, all laminate acoustic? Well, besides it drops the price point and makes it affordable, the reason also is it doesn't feedback as much because it's not vibrating as much. It's also a little deader. And although deader sounds bad, it could be nicer if you're not trying to play in a a uh, small bar or a uh, coffee shop. You're playing at home and you don't want the entire neighborhood to hear you play acoustic. That'll be a little deader. So, uh, so essentially, you solid top with laminate back and sides. It won't be as loud as maybe an all solid guitar. It won't resonate. It won't age the same way too. Guitars also age. So, um, so that being said, that's why you would want it all solid. However, in my experience, it doesn't really matter. As long as the top is solid, I'm usually happy. Um, they seem to have uh, a, a life of their own. Plus, you have to understand, there's a little bit of now engineering going into this. You know, the, the companies now, they're not making guitars like the old days. You know what I mean? They're not... Some are. Some are still putting the stethoscope on it and tapping on the tops and doing all that stuff. Some of them are like literally in their computer screen, computers now and, and using all kinds of technology to, to develop this stuff. And they figure out how to get the best out of everything. So that being said, uh, to your question, how do I feel about laminate acoustics? I, I don't feel like a positive or negative thing. There's reasons why you would want them sometimes and reason why you won't. Another advantage of laminate is it takes more abuse. It's more just like uh, just like plywood uh you know right it takes it takes a lot of abuse because there's multiple plies going on there same thing with uh, 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 a, a a laminate guitar uh, is less susceptible to the the weather right to humidity changes and stuff so you only have to worry about the top of the guitar versus the whole thing 
A lot, lot also, it's also a lot easier to humidify. So a lot of times when you put a humidifier in there, you know, you have an all solid guitar that just sucks up all that moisture, you know what I mean, out of that sponge. And then you've got to constantly do that. Well, the laminate's really not, ex, uh, you know, sucking in and, ex, and, and expelling the moisture as much as a solid piece. So that's what, uh, that's why you would want it. So there you go. Uh, rock daddy. I skipped over somebody. Let me go, but let me do Rock Daddy because he's I, the one I called out. Rock Daddy says, Happy New Year 2021. All my 1991 guitars just went vintage and money signs. That's cool. <laughs> no 19, I don't care what anybody says. 1991 guitars are, well, maybe they're vintage now. I know that I'm not, I'm not talking about the definition. I'm talking about if they're really, you know, I hate to say it. Some of the, those late eighties, early nineties guitars are becoming so expensive and collectible that, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so congratulations on your vintage collection collection, sir. <laughs> All right. John Anderson says, cheers, Phil Schechter, SLS, uh, elite C1 versus used ESP clip, uh, clips. Um, and so the in this question, I'm going to say which one would I pick? I love the SLS Elite. I love those guitars, but I would pick the Eclipse, and here's why: because the SLS has the thinner neck uh, Schecter. Although I'm happy they offer that as an option, so you have that faster, you know, shreddy neck, uh, shreddy. Uh, I like the Eclipse neck better. It's a little more C-shaped. It's more traditional. I'm more of a traditional neck. Uh, I'm a gold. I like Goldilocks necks. Not too thin, not too thick, right in the middle, right? You know, and that's, and so to me, the Eclipse neck nails that um, neck personally. But uh, the C1 Elite, SLS Elite C1 is a great guitar too, but I prefer that neck, so I'd go with it. And that's not knowing anything else because you didn't say what colors and all that other stuff, but just going off necks. And neck to me is most important. If I don't like the way it feels, I can't get past anything else. So uh, when I when I try out a guitar, that's the first thing that has to you know has to come into play right away. It has to play great, and then I'll worry about how it sounds and looks and all that stuff. Um, Andy and a bunch of letters. <laughs> I know Casey. Okay, says uh, if a retailer is offering a returned item at a discount price, are they obligated to tell you why it was returned? Uh no, they're not obligated because they they fulfilled the obligation by letting you know that it is a is a uh, it's a restock item, um, and and that's why we have different terminology like new old stock, right? New old stock is different. New old stock means the product is new, never used by a customer or return, but it is old inventory that's dated in some way. Maybe it's last year's models or it's been in, been there for a long time. Um, return merchandise now damaged merchandise they would uh, most cases you know they're going to say damaged goods they'll say oh it's damaged and then like Sweetwater does this they'll put a little sticker with an arrow to the little mark and say this is where it's marked uh, that's what they're doing but no they don't have to tell you why and in some cases they depending on who the retailer is and their database and how big the company is and what they're doing they don't even know <laughs> you know what I mean it was just ret- returned usually let's go with it The whether it's a small mom and pop mid-sized store or the big box chain usually the process is usually alike customer says something is defective or they don't want it um and that's why they don't want to tell you because here's why some customer customers are full of crap <laughs> everybody's full of crap right so it can you know a retailer and a customer are not different or you know they it's just 
the same game played by two different angles. So a customer will be like, oh, this guitar is defective. And then the retailer pays the shipping back and the retailer goes through it and it's fine. And they can't find the flaw, right? Sometimes the user doesn't know what they're doing, <laughs> right? They open it up and they don't know how to use it. And then they're like, oh, and they go, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? And then they're like, uh, and they get it and they're like, it works fine because they didn't know how to use it. So there's all these reasons. So what happens is when a customer, it doesn't matter why, that's why I'm saying a customer might state the reason for the return, but the retailer doesn't necessarily have to go buy that information because when they get it back, they usually assess it real quick and go, okay, this is what's right or wrong with it. And then generally speaking, if they're a legitimate, credible business, they will disclose to you what they know, which in, in this case, if it if it, they're not disclosing some kind of issue with it, then it's just returned because they're not finding issue with it. Sometimes they're lazy and they don't give a crap. That's a factor too. That's not usually the business. That's usually the employee of the business. And sometimes maybe the business allows that. So maybe it is the business in that regard, but, uh, and they don't find anything because they didn't look. However, Here's how it works. If you buy a returned item, I know somebody says it's two hours. I know we're buttoning it up. Uh, if somebody does, uh, if you do buy a returned item, I would do it, but with a return policy and you'd be fine. That gives you a chance to check it out. And you determine what's right or wrong with it from, with your savings. Uh, that's what I find. I did that with that uh, Wolfgang. I bought it and it was B stock and, and I got it. And, you know, I, I kind of went through it and I, I kind of figured if, uh, if I had issues, I would. If there was something wrong, I, I had a ability to return it if it was a problem, but it was fine. Okay, we have some more to get through, then we're going to button this up. Channel, okay, no more uh, super chats. I wasn't paying attention. I appreciate you guys so much, but yeah, we can't, we can't keep going. So uh, anything I get uh, past RNA music, I'm not going to answer. So just be prepared. Um, street songs, that's the name of the channel. Or the, 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 the sign-on. It says, channel channel save my retirement. Oh, my channel save your retirement? Uh, then I'm not... This is weird because usually I get the opposite. Everybody's like, oh, you cost me money. Okay, it says, uh, have a strat that only the body and the neck are left stock, several other new guitars, and this oddly growing shelf of parts. Right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's modding stuff. That's awesome. That's cool. I'm glad it's working out for you. Uh, master something. I think it's... A, <laughs> Okay, so Master says, have you seen the music Nomad Fret Files uh, that are coming soon? Curious if you think it's promising. I am very, very interested in those. Uh, so so let me tell you what I'm up to. And again, I hate saying this because now you guys know, you know, I you guys hear this stuff on these shows. And then for weeks or months ago, when are you going to do it? It's because I'm telling you so in advance. Um, I've talked to the Music Nomad people. They are interested in having me checking out a couple products. And then and uh, what I said was, I'm interested in these other products, and those fret files are one. I'm very interested in those fret files. They look really interesting and cool. They are crazy expensive, which is why I wanted to do a video with them. And I've also just recently purchased a butt ton, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating, of cheap fret files I, everywhere I could find them. I have all of them on their way now. And so I'm going to be doing some videos and I actually am developing a, a, a way of talking about this. So uh, to, to do a video about filing the nut and the, the video is basically going to be not so much how to teach you how to file a nut. It's how cheap of, you know, how cr crappy of tools can I still cut a decent nut with? That's what I want to know. Right. Um, and then we'll go from there and stuff like that. So yeah, I've seen them. I'm curious about them. Uh, I don't know if I have any coming cause like I said, I was still talking to them. Um, but the, the, the way I was talking to them was like, Hey, they, they, when companies sometimes reach out to me and say, Hey, would you want to check out this product that they want to talk about? 
a lot of times when I re, my response, which is what I did with Music Nomad, was yes, I will do a video and talking about the thing that you're interested in. I'm, but in 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 a in a you know kind of uh, you know reciprocal arrangement, I would like to do a video or two videos in this case on some other things you sell that I'm interested in. I think the audience will specifically be interested in that way. I do three videos and everyone's happy. You're happy because you're getting the quality video, and you guys can pick and choose what videos to watch. But I I want to do those frat files. I've been curious like you, mostly because they look interesting, but also because they're super expensive. So they got to be really good. Uh, and I don't mean they have to be. I mean they they better be. <laughs> Right. That's a lot of money. Uh, I'm not old. I'm vintage says congratulations on the views. Thank you, sir. You know what happens when you hit 75 mu- view, million views on YouTube? Nothing, but it's still cool as hell. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, Har- Ar- Jeff Hessenberger. That's no Hessen. I don't know why I got Hesh- It's Hirsch- Hirschberger. I don't, dude, I don't even know why I pronounced whatever I was pronouncing. Jeff Hirschberger. Sorry, Jeff. Says, Happy New Year. Grab yourself a twisted tea. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the thing that happened? See, I I didn't even see that until I... You know, I'm still processing the Nashville exploding stuff. I like to parcel news to myself in small bits. Um, You know what I mean? I, I've learned that... Look, here's my thought process on the news. This isn't politics. This is news. If it's immediate danger to me and my family, then I want to know exactly what it is. So if you're telling me there's an axe murder down the street, I need to know right now. There's an axe murderer 12 states away. I'll get time this week and I'll, I'll read about it or figure it out, <laughs> right? I understand that's news too, but I'm mostly concerned about what's happening right around me because all news is negative and bad and scary and sad and, you know, horrible and uh, it just sucks. But yeah. So there you go. So like I said, there's no end to it. The the worst thing we could have done in this world is come up with a 24-hour news network. It's the dumbest idea ever. The idea that 24 hours, no one needs 24 hours of news. Think of this, weather. I only need the weather once in the morning. What's the weather today? And then I'm done. (laughs) I don't need weather 24 hours. So all all day news, Just I think it makes you depressed. It makes me depressed. And I get, sometimes I'll go down that hole and watch it and then I'm just miserable. So there you go. But like I said, I haven't seen everything, but I kind of got the just. It was pretty bad. Music Stuff uh, says, fifth of cheap whiskey. $19. He did a $19 super chat. Dude, what kind of whiskey you drink? Oh, you know what? I guess I was going to say, you're drinking some expensive whiskey. But then I'm like, no, no, because I got some expensive whiskey for a present for for my father-in-law. So I guess you're right. Fifth of cheap whiskey, $19. But I wouldn't call that cheap whiskey. That's, I don't know. Maybe I have a, I have to figure out what I, what, what, what I think about whiskey levels are. Um, to me, whiskey is like, uh, I'm trying to think, I think like 60 to 80 bucks is like a nice bottle of whiskey. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but you understand I'm trying to gauge it in a price that I, you know, I think is normal. Some of you guys are gasping and some, that's what I say. You'll never win. Somebody's like, what? I get it for 12 bucks. And somebody's like, I only spend $300 on whiskey. Like whatever. Everybody's got a different thing. I, I, here's what I do know. I buy everybody whiskey. That's always twice or three times what I pay for myself. And I always wonder why I do it that way. I was like, why don't I buy myself the nice whiskey and give away the cheap whiskey? I seem to do the opposite way. Uh, Carl's in depth says ever seen, ever seen a worse product launch than Colos. Yes, I have. I have seen a worse product launch than Colos guitars. Um, 
but I mean, different, different. The Colos, but like I said, we talked about at the beginning of the show, but like I said, I understand now what happened to the Colos guy. It, it, like talking to him, it makes sense. The problem is, and this is what I'll tell you. Again, I'm telling you what I told him is this. The problem with Colos was they, they're just like anybody that's starting a business. They're learning on the fly, you know, right? You're learning. Like I've, like I said, I've learned uh, YouTube on the fly. You learn it in front of people. People are learning things, uh, you know, the hard way. Um, and here's what they should have done. They should have made the guitars and given them to musicians, not YouTubers. That was the first mistake. I told him this. Musicians figure out what's wrong with your instruments. YouTubers tell people what's wrong with your instruments. That's different. Um, if I if you give a touring musician a guitar and say, this is a new guitar I have coming out, play it. The musician's logic is, I'm going to play it on stage and go, hey man, this chord stabs me in the junk. And this thing's not staying in tune. And, right, and they're going to tell you all the feedback they're going to find with it. And maybe give you suggestions how to fix it. And you're going to go that way. A YouTube channel, a gear channel, isn't set up that way. We're not here to test the gear because we want to make content. That's what we want to do. We want to share information with people. So when the product shows up and you're like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. We get the finished product. We want to talk about it done, not go, okay, we'll not contact you and go, here's all the things you need to fix. Uh, Although that is part of the gig too. You do that, but you understand. So that's where they did wrong. They should have really interacted with musicians first. He basically told me that their problem was they, they did. The other thing that they did, Colos did wrong was they gave away guitars and they sold them dirt cheap to entities that basically then of course told them the guitars are great. Okay. And again, I don't know if this is true. He could be full of crap too. I'm again, I can only tell you what the owner told me that I'm not telling you what he says is the truth. I'm just telling you what he told me. He told me like, Hey, we gave some guitars away and everybody said they were great. I said, yeah, well you gave them away and that's why they told you they're great. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and that's how it works. So yeah. Um, but here's the important part. The important part is, like I said, Nothing is ever done until it's done, right? They still can make, they can fix the guitars. They can make them better. They can recover from this. You know what I mean? Um, You know, it happens all the time. Products improve, videos improve, things improve. You know, Uh, I'm not the same channel I was, you know, two years ago. He won't be the same guitar company, hopefully a year from now. We'll see how it goes. Or you don't adapt and you die. (laughs) That's how it works. Okay, let's finish these up. Max Shade says, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's, Max Shade 7. I'm sorry, I didn't know. I forgot there was six other Max Shades. This is Max Shade 7. Don't confuse it with any of the Max Shades 1 through 6. They are not as cool. Anyways, best patch cables for a pedal board. What do I use? Uh, I am the last person you should ever ask about patch cables. I literally have so many damn free ones, not only from YouTube, but from having a store. I've said this before. It's the most boring thing ever, but it's true. If you ever want free guitar cables, either A, open a retail store, or B, start a YouTube channel. I don't know how those two things in my life could have lined up any more crazy than this. If you are a retailer and or a YouTuber, much less at the same time or back-to-back like I did it, uh, you are going to get nothing but free guitar cables because guitar cables have insane markups. They basically sell them to retailers for three bucks and sell and the retailers sell them to you for 20 and with all that margin they can give them away like candy and so basically i never buy any so i have my patch cables on my pedal boards are a 
mod podge of all the freebie fender ones slash Dario slash prs slash uh i don't know uh hosa slash all that stuff um i will tell you this there's certain ones i don't like and i ditch them and so all the ones i just mentioned are not those because i wouldn't have them to mention so that's what I do for those. Um, and pa patch cables, uh, it's simple for me. Uh, I used to care about that stuff. and used to get all carried away. But what I've learned is that when you get really nuts with, um, you know, buying high-end patch cables for your, your pedal boards, um, it gets really hard to put the pedals together. Now, I will tell you that, that I didn't specifically mention this. So I don't use George L. So a lot of people talk about George L. I have, I've had just too many headaches with them over the years. I think they make good stuff. It just doesn't work with me. I, I think you have to be, I've heard people dog them. I've heard people praise them. Let me tell you what I've learned from them, from selling them to people many years ago. Um, it's, you know how, <laughs> you know how when you were made to vacuum the house when you were a kid, I hope this relates. I hope you guys can relate. And then when you were done vacuuming, you would yank the cable from the wall and your mom would like lose her crap and be like, do not pull the cable from the wall. And you're supposed to go to the wall and actually pull the cable, the plug from the actual receptacle plug piece. Um, that's what you have to do with George L. When you plug in or unplug George L's, you have to do it from the metal uh, ring, the, the actual piece. And if you pull on the cable, that's what it is. So uh, it's not that I think George L is bad. You just have to do that. And I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> just like, uh, there's no luck that my wife's ever going to get me stop pulling on the vacuum plug from 20 feet across the room. I apologize for that, but it's, I'd rather be honest about it and let you know I'm not going to do it. <laughs> All right. Chuck in music just wants me, wants to say happy new year. He just wanted to say happy new year. Thank you, Chuck. Happy new year. And then best for last. We're going to say best for last. Ready? RNA music, Ryan from RNA music. If you don't know RNA music, well, you need to check out their uh, their uh, show. They they answer questions, but they do it better than I do because there's two of them and, and they're actually entertaining. <laughs> it's just it's just how I feel. I like watching them. So, um, so check them out. I'll put a link to their their channel. Plus, of course, they have a nice store, and of course, they do lessons in Texas. They're in the heart of Texas. It says I'm always shopping for 1975 Les Paul custom. I'm going to guess, Ryan, that you were born in 1975 because that is the thing I always hear from everybody. Everybody always wants a guitar of their birth year. I'm guessing. I don't know if that's true, though. He says, they're never local. Yep. How do you approach buying a vintage pricey guitar when you can't play it first? I don't. <laughs> this is going to be the worst advice you've ever paid for. You're going to be so pissed that I don't have a good return policy on the super chats. But let me tell you what I think. First of all, I don't, I, I already did this. I did this. I, I bought my, uh, I was born in 74. So I bought a 74 P bass cause I'm a bass player. And I was like, this will be the thing that I do. And here's what I've learned. <laughs> you got to love a vintage guitar. You have to, you, you better not buy it for a super, any super, I'm not saying you are, I'm just guessing. Don't buy a guitar like this for a superficial reason. A superficial re reason. That's a tongue twister. A superficial reason like reason like it's your birth year. Because let me tell you what happened with me. I bought a 1974 P bass. It was great. It was it was cool. I'm like, oh, this is the bass. It was built when I was built. And then it was worth three times what I paid for it. So sold it. <laughs> 
It's a true story. <laughs> and then I took the money that I made, which was three times what I paid for it, and then I bought something cool that I wanted for a real reason, not just because it's that. So um, you know what's cool? Get a cool vintage 1975 t-shirt. That's my advice. Now, I'm not just saying that because that's what happened to me. I just noticed that's what happens with everyone. They all buy, all try to buy a vintage guitar of their year. And think about what you're doing to yourself. And again, Ryan, I'm not saying this is what you're doing. And it, and but, but again, I want to say if it is, let me tell you why it's going to go bad. It's going to go wrong. First, finding a good vintage guitar is hard. As you know, you just said it. It's hard. It's hard to find a vintage guitar, period. Just find one. It's hard. Then you're then after you find one, you have to find a good one. That's even harder, right? I don't mean one that's mint condition and not played. No, good. Like, it plays great. It's got the mojo, right? Because let's face it, they don't all got the mojo. And the ones that do, no one wants to sell them, right? The only way usually, he says, he says oh, no, it's not. Oh no, it's all about the birth year. Okay, so good. I'm on the, okay, so my my guess is right. Okay, Ryan, thank you for, for affirming. Okay, so think about this, right? First problem, got to find a vintage guitar that's hard. Second, got to find a good vintage guitar, even harder. Now a good vintage guitar that's your birth year, right? And the way you want it, you're asking, it's just too much. And so what I've noticed is everyone does it. If you're lucky and you get a good one, you end up selling it. If you don't get a good one, you never play it. And then that wears on you. If you have to get it out of your system, man, I understand, but I'm telling you, there's better things to do with your money. In my experience, there was better thing. I lucked out. That story I told you, isn't that a great story? I bought it and I sold it for three times my money. That's great. That that never happens. <laughs> that just happened to me. That was like just weird how that worked out, right? So um, usually what happens is you buy it and then you're lucky if you can sell it for what you paid for it because, again, you got trapped into this logic of it. So, uh, you know, there's there's it's up to you it's again it's up to you but i i would uh i would pass on the idea yeah tony says i'm screwed i was born in 57 well right well that's usually why everyone does it everyone's logic is not so much just it's your birth year it's you better buy it now before it gets really expensive right that's kind of the logic everyone's birth year becomes super vintage right you know that impossible to get and uh and that's your logic and uh i like i said i find it's just too tricky and too hard um and i think there's other things you can do uh to do uh for your you know with your money just my just my opinion take it for what you want it was good talking to you ryan of course i need to reach out to you uh and we're talking about i was talking about having ryan and his wife on for the podcast we're going to definitely do that as always guys i know i went long as always but you know hey it was fun and I hope you guys had fun too. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of your happy new year weekend. And, uh, I want to thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, and until next week, same time, same channel, same everything next week till then, uh, I'm going to say thank you and, uh, know your gear. Say goodbye. <laughs>